What's up, everybody? Podcast time. And as always, each episode is brought to you by All I Need Skateboarding. Let's see, let's see. What's new? Um, we I just up, updated the online store. So if you head to allineedskate.com and you click on the store link, I just put two new t-shirts up. Uh, super excited about these shirts. Um, they go along with a board series that's coming out later this fall. Um, but the first tee is the Rise tee. And uh, it's a mint tee with a cranberry print. And it's a quality shirt. Nice soft fit. Um, and it's made right at my work here in Taunton. And uh, I was there. I put a video up. You can check out the video at All I Need Skate on Instagram and Facebook. I put up a whole video of the whole screen printing process. And uh, the shirt came out mint. Literally, it's a mint tee but it's with a cranberry ink. But it's, it came out mint as well. And then we also have the Thrive Tee up there, and that is like a shark blue, which is I consider like a light blue, with a dark forest green ink. Uh, and both these shirts came out awesome. I'm super hyped on them. I hope you guys will take a second to check it out. Allineedskate.com. Click on the store link, and you can see it all right there. Um, just want to say thank you to everybody who's um, been part of the show, and if you're just tuning in, thank you for checking out the show. And our guest today is the epic Kevin Wilkins. Enjoy. I just love the skating and the scene. Rain, rain, go away. All I need is a skateboard today. today. This is the Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and All I Need Skate founder, Anthony Shetler. So everyone was, it was hot. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, they're looking for their dad's fucking metal skateboards in the garage. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah. Get on this thing. <laughs> Each episode brings you amazing discussions with interesting people from all walks of life. Kind of when skateboarding clicked for me and you learn some tricks or whatever and you get that appreciation from your peers, you know, the other skaters are like, holy shit, like, yeah, dude, that's rad. Admiration. Yeah, yeah the admiration or the, the affirmation. Real. Recognize real. If I didn't experience those crazy moments in my life, then these great moments would never be as great as they have been. Honestly, like for me, I just loved it. Like I saw those dudes, I saw those videos, and I was like, holy fuck, this is sick. Yeah. This is what I want to do. Kevin we are rolling but I want to start I want to start at the top dude because you're from Nebraska <laughs> yeah I'm, I am how, um how long did you live there well uh, my parents moved here in like when I was let me think in fifth grade you're 10 years old right I think yeah, that's right I believe so so in, that's that was 77 my parents moved here I was born in 67. They moved here when I was 10. And uh, and they've stayed here since then. I've kind of, you know, uh, left to come back and left to come back and done the whole leave home, uh, return home, prodigal son style. Nice. But um, this last time I've lived here, uh, Cheryl and I uh, moved back here when we started making babies. <laughs> And, uh, 
And Miles, Miles is my oldest, and he just turned. Uh, well, he'll turn eighteen in October. Whoa! So we've been many, here like eighteen years. How many children? Two. Miles is seventeen, and Kian's thirteen. Kian. Yeah. How do you spell it? C I A N. It's Gaelic. It's Irish. Nice. That's a sick name. It's I like names that are slightly different. That's awesome. Yeah, he, uh, you know, it could have gone either way, I think, with that one. We sort of set him up to have to explain things to people. <laughs> and uh, not on purpose or anything, but I've seen him uh, learn how to handle that, like how to explain who he is and what his name is and how to pronounce it and do it nice so people don't feel weird or awkward. So that's kind of been cool. Yeah, I met, um, I had a kid in my skate camp. And it was the only other time I heard that name. His name was Kian, but he spelled it with a K. And he was, oh, yeah. yeah, he was from, uh, it's going to, sk- I'm not going to remember where he's from, but I just thought it was a cool name. Um, so did you go to, you went to elementary, how long were you in Nebraska before you left the first time? You went to elementary school, middle school? Yep. I went to um, elementary school and middle school or at the same place. I went to a Catholic, like first through eighth grade spot. Nice. And uh, so they kind of combined elementary school with middle school. We called it junior high. And then uh, and then I went to high school here um, at another Catholic school called Pius Tenth. Um, and then I went to the university for three and a half years and quit to move out to California to work on skateboard magazines. And that would have been like 89. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. How was going to a Catholic school? Um, I mean, before we moved here, we went to kind of a mix. We moved a lot. My dad was in the Army. So we went to a mix. And then even after he got out of the Army, he still was kind of like on the move. I think it was still in his blood. But they... We got we moved sixteen times before we stopped here. Holy shit! And so I did go to some public schools and some Catholic schools, but I mean, from the time I was ten until I was out of high school, it was a Catholic school, and I don't really know much difference. But it was cool. That was, um, you know, I take everything back to skateboarding. That's where I um, I skateboarded before I knew people who skateboarded, but that's where I met all my friends. Who skated was through Catholic school, and I'm still friends with those guys. So Sick. I guess it was pretty good. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah, I, I never I went to public school, and uh, it was pretty cool. But I've always ho- heard some like horror stories about Catholic school. But I guess yours isn't that. <laughs> uh, we, there was some shitty stuff. Like there, you hear about all the hanky panky with the priests and like <laughs> all that shit. Like that was going down while we were there. Gnarly. Around us, and even being in the middle of it, like, you didn't really know it was happening. It wasn't super apparent. We got, um, these were also the days where, like, it was sort of normal for teachers and administrators to rough you up a little bit. Oh, man. (laughs) And I I definitely got tuned on a few times. But, um, uh, you know, other other than getting, like, slapped by a nun or, like, you know, pushed around by a priest, which sounds pretty shitty, and it was, but, like, it wasn't the level that, um, uh, 
that you're seeing about in the movies or reading about in the papers. Like it was just um, like discipline. Like they smack you real quick and like say exactly. Yeah. yeah, it it kind of a throwback from you know those those days gone by. <laughs> my, my father had a my father had a belt and he used to snap his leather belt and that's when we knew we were gonna get fucking whipped with a belt. And that was like you we told me that. <laughs> yeah, when we were really bad, he'd be like gee, 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 and I'd start running. And then, you know, he would smack me until, like, I thought he wasn't going to stop, and then he'd stop. And then, like, I learned my lesson, but it, there could have been a better way to go about it, but... <laughs> I think. I think a lot of people, uh, I think a lot of adults in that situation, that's all they know. Like, that's how they, that's the only way they know how to deal with that stuff. That's what they were taught, and that's probably what their parents were taught. And it was just this sort of, like, heavy-handed, sort of brutal parenting style. And then, you know, um, authority too, like, that's just how people ran it. Cause yeah. that's all they knew. But, um, I don't know it, I'm sure it's still there to some extent, but, um, it's either hidden or, or, you know, kind of kept, kept mellow. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully no, no one's having to, no one in, in, our, in, in our circle and my friends circles are really having to deal with that too much anymore, but. Yeah, hopefully there's enough books out there now that you can just, like, find a way to use your words <laughs> instead of beat them. <laughs> I don't think I'll but, ever, uh, like, hit my kid. I'm pretty positive, like, I would just time out them, maybe. <laughs> like, that's about it. Well, yeah, you don't. It's pretty, it's that common sense thing. And it sounds real simple, but sometimes that simplest stuff is the hardest. It's just, like, would you want someone to hit you? Like, nah. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> Um, did you do well in school and, uh, not, not, not getting into university, but like, uh, elementary, middle school, high school, did you do well? Nah, I mean, I was no, I, I didn't really do well. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't interested in it at all. It was, um, it was boring to me. And then, you know, I would just try and entertain myself. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't do that well. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. And even up, even through the university days, I never really liked school. Really? It, it's, yeah. It's, even like, um, did you have like art class or like photography or writing? Did you get down in those classes? I, uh, not until like maybe, you know, the last few years of, at the university was I like kind of in a groove with literature classes and writing classes, but like all that, even through high school and the beginning of college, like art classes and writing classes and any, all the creative stuff, it never really lived up to like my expectations. I, I, uh, it wasn't, I, maybe I just had a bad run of teachers or maybe I was, you know, harder to reach, harder to reach than the average kid, but yeah, it never clicked, never dug it. Yeah. School was the same for me. I was just so like, um, not into it. I don't know. I felt like I could have done good if I, do you feel like you could have done good if you tried, if you're like, when you want? Yeah, because, well, I, if anything I want to do well at, I, I, all you got to do is work on it. And for the most part, it tends to work itself out, um, however you measure success. And so, you know, uh, through my, our family life and my professional life, I, I think I've, you know, well surpassed what they, you know, they were trying to teach me in schools and things like that. I, I don't, I don't feel like I, because I had 
average grades or didn't like the the program that um that that really held me back yeah a lot of it is just like uh, in that at the young age a lot of it is just trying to keep kids busy like just give them busy work so they're here you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i think so and i think it's hard i think a lot of people go into teaching and it's really not their bag but they kind of grind it out yeah um but it's uh and there's some supremely talented teachers out there but and i've talked to them and i've seen them work with my kids but i never really one tenth of one percent of my education was uh came from people like that yeah my brother i don't i don't think i could be a teacher i don't think i i have the temperament for it or the patience i and so i can understand when someone is in the middle of their teaching career and they're like you know what i'm not really into this anymore i'm just gonna Ride it out, which is too bad for the kids. Yeah, sure. it seems like a really hard job, dude, for sure. My yeah. brother does it, and I pick his brain about it all the time. And he's very disciplined and very passionate and focused, and I can see it. Like I'm like, it takes that much to actually do the job well. And and then the, he always tells me how the system's kind of set up to like make his job harder, like the educational system. So then I'm like, oh, that's even, you know, that sucks as well on top of it. <laughs> Uh, my wife's a teacher and, and has been, um, you know, nice. for since she graduated from the university and she, she went back to and got her master's. So I'm not out of the loop. I, I see it in action every day. My kids go, um, to the public schools here and Cheryl's a teacher there. And so, um, in that system and, uh, I believe in it. I, I, that's what I said. Like, I do know a lot of really good teachers, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, it did, and so that that might be a commentary on on that Catholic school system that I went through. Like that, uh, I I don't think um, I don't think amazing teachers were a huge priority. They had they had budgets and they had other things, and then they were trying to uh, obviously they were focused on a lot on the the spiritual aspect of of education. Yeah. So. Yeah, they would kind of pigeonhole themselves a little. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, and I, I, I think also, you know, looking at things vocationally, like they, they were trying to recruit priests and nuns and stuff like that at the same time. Weird. I, I'm not religious. Are you religious? No, I'm not. Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> that would have been awkward if you said you were. But I'm not against religion, but like I'm not no. against it at all. Like Anything that helps someone and they take a positive from it, for sure, but I'm not really. Yeah, it's just not It's not my bag, for sure. Yeah. Um. Okay, what age did you find skateboarding or get introduced to the idea and videos when, and magazines? And... When I was... Um... Like my seventh birthday, I wanted. Do you know what a green machine is? No. You know what a big wheel is, right? Um, a big wheel like a car, like a little tricycle. Like a tricycle, yeah. Yeah. And a green machine was kind of a a vehicle on that level, like a plastic toy that that you would sit on and it would ride close to the ground. Um, but there was two wheels in front and one in the back, so it was nice. opposite, nice. and you kind of steered it like a. I guess I what how you steer like a bobcat trailer a bobcat not trailer bobcat like or a, something with skids like it, it's got like levers and you kind of yeah it's got levers to steer with 
Yeah. And I really wanted one of the. I really wanted a green machine. Um, but I guess I had talked to my parents about a skateboard before that. Nice. And they got they got me the skateboard instead. Oh bummer! <laughs> Just kidding. And I, I was bummed. I was really bummed. But uh, for for a couple of days, and then after that, it was on. <laughs> I loved it. Your life would have so been fun. so different if you got the green machine off the bat, though. I know it would have changed everything. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, like, and then always had a skateboard. Um, after that, so. Um, that was in, uh, we lived in Sioux City, Iowa, and then we moved here and kept skating. My brother skated with me. There was a, there'd be a neighborhood kid every once in a while who skated, but nice. Um, we kind of skated all over the place. And then, um, once I got to high school, like I, uh, it seemed like, you know, that social scene was really important, like trying to figure that out. And I don't know why it wasn't a conscious decision, but I just wasn't skating as much until I met, um, uh, these kids from that had come from other schools. So the high school was a central school and kids came from all the other junior highs. And there were, um, there were guys that were already going there who skated there was guys who had just graduated from there who had skated. And then some of the guys that I knew that I had skated with in junior high got interested in it some more. So that kind of just sucked us all in. And that would have been, that would have been, you know, like 1980. Dang. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> you were shredding before I was even born. Lucky. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Like it's such a crazy thing. Because when I'm explaining this to you, it it really seems like I'm telling you about like last year. Like it's uh, those are those things that um, I think you hang on to and, and try and sort of nail down as like pivotal sort of memories. And, like I do remember that. I remember those dudes, like friends I had, being like, "Oh yeah, this other guy in the in the class above us has an next door neighbor, and he has a vert ramp, and you know." It was like, what? It's like, oh, and look, here's a skateboard magazine, and all these punkers are into skateboarding. And it's like, well, that's crazy. We're in, we're into punk rock music, and we skateboard. Like, oh, is this who we are? Like, <laughs> and uh, so that kind of just happened until the pros came. The pros came here in '82, yeah. and uh, and had a vert contest in my friend's backyard. <laughs> how the fuck does that happen <laughs> um, Fausto Vitello so this was when it, things Thrasher. were completely dead yeah and, and Fausto had just skateboarder had turned into action now and there really wasn't a skateboard magazine and then Fausto and uh, and those dudes um, started High Speed Productions and, and Thrasher and uh they were looking for a place to have contests throughout the country because they were closing down all the parks in California and there was nowhere for these guys to go. And they had business skateboard businesses that they wanted to do better. So, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska was one of the places that, um, <laughs> that they had seen there was photos of, and there was dudes skating here and they, the ramp was big enough. And so, so they got in a van Brought a bunch of indie writers out here. A bunch of dudes came from Texas. 
at the time, and they had like a little mini contest in this backyard. And the next, and they did it the next year too. Those were called uh, the Midwest Melees. It. I gotta stop you for a second. It always blows my mind that it, it seems like only skateboarding does that. Like you never hear that about like a sport or anything. Like these dudes that like own a magazine and they bring pros to someone's backyard. Like I've been part of doing trips like that. Like. We're yeah. just like, dude, pros are coming, drag a fucking parking block out, we're going to make this epic, and everyone, it ends up being epic, but that doesn't happen in anything else, I don't feel like it. I, I don't think so, because all the other things that are on that level, like, need an arena, or need a place, and, and skateboarding does too, but, like, the arena is, uh, it's whatever you got. Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily, like, um some subsidized big money spot that someone's selling tickets to. It's like, like you said, it's like a parking lot or someone's backyard. Hey, um, my phone just blinked at me that it's running out of battery. Can I go? Yes. Can we pause for a sec? Yes, please, please. All right, let me go get a cord. I'll be right back. No worries. Damn. Yeah. I feel like with skating while, while he's gone, I'll just talk a little bit. It seems like actually before I go forward, there's like a picture on the back. It's a Twinkie with like a dog face on it in his, in, at his house. And he's got some bicycle dudes up here crushing it. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, pretty sick drawing of Frankenti Frankenstein doing a slash burn, it looks like. Or bombing a hill. It's got a cool little setup back there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's crazy to me. It's that DIY mentality that skateboarding has. And, uh, I love it. Hey. Yeah. Hey, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I was oh. just, I was just rambling on about your backdrop. You got some, you got that Twinkie with the dog face on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, my son gave that to me. That's <laughs> sick. Because it's been up there for a while. All right, so technical difficulties here, but I think we'll figure it out. Oh, no worries, dude. My, my listeners or the people that listen to this podcast... Uh, they they get it. I have this type of stuff happen all the time. <laughs> all right, let's see if it works. Go. Is it working? We got juice. Well, I can't really tell. It doesn't want to plug in. It doesn't want to charge. It's telling me twenty percent battery. Weird. Yeah, that's bad news. Let's see. It doesn't give you the charge sign like on the Apple. You no, I'm getting. I'm having. Uh, Come on, baby. I got it. Nice. We're back in. Right. Live action. <laughs> um, just to, um, just to kind of pick up where we left off, I wanted to okay. say, like, it kind of trips me out. It's that DIY spirit, like, the do-it-yourself spirit that skateboarding has. And it's kind of got me going because I'm like, I don't know. It's That's what makes skateboarding so special, I feel. Because, like, these other things that people got into, I feel like they got sold out, kind of. Like, not sold out, but they just allowed people that don't do it to control it to a point where you need to do good in school, you need to be in an arena, you need to have equipment. Like, they... I feel like skateboarding, for whatever reason, it's such a DIY thing, and, like, people just make their own shit happen. Their own scenes, their own shops, their own pro, their yeah. own... You know what I mean? Like, going back to what yeah. we are talking about, it's kind of crazy. I wonder why. Is it what it takes to actually skateboard? Like the mentality, I I think a little of that. I think too, like it. 
it was left for dead by the by people that you know they tried to take advantage of it or 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 get something from it um and when when it was too difficult or when it was hard to make money or something like that it they walked away with it and kind of left it to the kids yeah and so um they were like they still wanted to do it and they didn't care if they weren't getting paid anything anyway you know so they were like well i want to keep doing this and i think it was left up to them i think it's the same thing with 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 music too like yeah from from that era when skateboarding was sort of dead like people were really having to make things happen themselves yeah and uh so you know i think it does take a little bit of a self-starter or someone who's just kind of willing to put in work to something that they're not really trying to get something out of it. Yeah. They're more, no payoff just for the love because you, they're just, they're, yeah, they're into the action of it. Not necessarily like the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And I like that about skateboarding. I think it's because same with music, like you're saying, I think it's because skateboarding is a very, self-expressive thing or it can be like it's very individual but you can do it you can have a team you can be uniformed and all that stuff but i think the essence of it started with like self-expression and just kind of you know it was in the streets of diy people were like let's just do something to do something not not to like win just to do it you know what i mean it's a it's a really good distraction too and yeah um one of the best and and uh when when you're a kid and um, sometimes you need like those distractions, like there's shitty stuff happening at home or like school's weird or I mean, there's whatever hundred other shitty things happen to us. Maybe you, maybe you, one parent's gone, maybe no parents are there. Like, you know, and skateboarding is a thing that you can like do like beginning, middle and end. And, and no one's trying to f- do it for you or tell you how to do it or whatever. And um, I think it's an answer to a lot of people's, like, uh, problems. It's, a, it's an antidote to a lot of sickness, you know? Yeah, beautiful. I love, I love that you said that. I kind of, like, I grew up with, like, moving a lot, too. Um, I went to a lot of different schools, and I had to keep meeting new people and, like, I never really fat fit in because I wouldn't be there long enough. Did you deal with that with school? Just like yeah. moving a lot? Um, it was never really a heavy thing until we moved here, to tell you yeah. the truth. So when we moved here, um, it was just that age like uh, where I think kids are the cruelest, especially to like something they don't understand or something someone they don't know. And so uh, we were. I was in... Like I said, I was in fifth grade, and my brother, um, who's like a little over, he's probably a year and a half younger than me, 17 months younger than me, um, you know, he was in third. And it was e- it was easy for him, just because he kind of hit that target, like where the kids are still kind of like egoless, their parents haven't like scared the shit out of them yet, like, yeah. or the school hasn't like tweaked them, so like, but... Um, you know, by the time you're fifth, sixth grade, like there's a little, a little cruelty starts to creep in. And, and so moving here was really tough for a couple of years. Like I have a lot of like sort of 
um, awkward, shitty memories of like kids just being mean. But that's kind of at the same time. That's also when I got introduced to skateboarding. So I don't know if those. I don't know if it's. I don't if it's a chicken egg thing. I don't know what happened first, or or whatever. But those things seem to kind of zipper together really well. Yeah, um, I agree with you wholeheartedly because I dealt with that as well. Like I, th- when you're that age, it's that's when you're getting imprinted on, you know. Like you're forming all these um, patterns that you're going to carry on, you know. And I, I dealt with like when yeah. you move a lot, your structure's all broken, so you're just like you're trying to be nice to people and you're trying to figure out who you are and like how you think. And then I had a lot of similar things that you were describing, but like thank God for skateboarding because then that was the thing that like. Sure. You know, even though, you know, I didn't know no one, it's an individual thing and you can go do it and then you can find other weirdos that are doing it and you guys can gang up together and be friends and <laughs> that which is the best. No, thing. it's, there's, there's truth to that. I mean, to every cliche, there's a truth, right? It, or otherwise it wouldn't, it wouldn't be there. And there, there's a truth to those things that, that when people say like skateboarding saved my life, like it sounds corny and it sounds like I've heard that a thousand times, like. I'm tired of hearing it, but you know, I, even today with uh, kids getting into it and their parents are on their shoulder and they're getting paid or like they're attracted to it because of the work all these people have done for 30 years and skateboarding's a cool thing now. Like I guarantee you that those people still, they might not even know, but they're getting attracted to it because it's filling in the gaps for them. It's yeah. fixing something for them. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's nothing's ever going to be like it was. Everyone's worried about it. Like, oh, I wish it was like it was. Like, yeah, like this second isn't going to be, it will never be like that second. So yeah. that's gone. But I think, I think skateboarding really still does the thing that attracts people to it. Like, it really does have that magnetism in it, and it, uh, it it gives kids an answer um, that they might not even know that uh, they're looking for. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Again, man, I think about this a lot. That's what. So, like, there's still there's that's why there's still weirdos, and that's why there's still <laughs> outcasts, and that's why there's still like just crazy people in it. Yeah, because it's like it's. It helps fix shit. It's not some like superhero quarterback like sports thing. Yeah. Well, see, that's and I t- I totally agree. And that's the thing is like that's where it formed from. I feel like because it came from like a DIY spirit. It was kind of for like I don't know from what I can tell in the stories. It's like people were just out in the streets and they were from broken homes and they latched onto skateboarding and then it turned into what it is today, you know, like growth yeah. and progression. Like even nowadays there's like, they're talking about the Olympics and stuff like that. And I'm so torn because for me, uh, you know, broken home and just last on to skating and, you know, and then it saved my life and same, like a lot of us, you know, and uh, yeah. now they want to turn it into a sport sort of, or certain people do or whatever. So I'm always like, it's weird because art, like, like you're saying, skateboarding should be like a fluid thing and it should be, for everybody. So how do you fucking... Like, imagine if I told Corey Duffel not to skate the way he does because I don't like his music and his dressing. You know what I mean? I, I would be the asshole because I, I do right. like his skating and I do like the way he dresses. I don't... I'm sure we listen to somewhat similar music, but uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, who the fuck am I to say that? Like, how could I... 
Like, and that's what happens, it seems, with sports is there's a coach and there's rules and all this bullshit. And, uh, yes. it seems like it's anti-skating, but at the same time, it's like, if that's their version of it, I guess, like, some kids like that or need that structure or want that. Why else would they play all those sports, you know? Right. It might not agree with your sensibilities, but you're not, because you're a skateboarder, you're, you say, but if you want to do it that way, go ahead because there's no rules. So it, it's, it's weird. Like I, I think at this point, I don't think it was always this way, but I think at this point there's, um, a segment of every culture and every society, uh, that's part of skateboarding. If, and if they haven't, uh, been a part of it yet they're 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 about to be so we um it's it's i think it still has yet to be introduced to people and when it does it'll have the same effect on on them uh it'll it'll save lives it'll provide like normalcy for weirdos it'll make it'll make um it'll make normal people weirder you know what i mean like it's it's a disruptor and uh but it's at the same time it takes in things from everywhere. So it does take it'll take this little league culture or Olympic culture or whatever decides that it needs to get something from skateboarding and it'll affect those things too. It's a virus. It'll it's it'll it'll disrupt everything. So I I have hope even for those things. Like I w- if someone said, Hey, Olympics yes or no right now, I would say obviously no. Like I'm not into it. But it's going to be sweet to see it go down. Like, <laughs> um, to watch people that have never really considered it or thought about it, like, have to sort of deal with skateboarding. Like, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, the way, I, the way I look at it or the way I saw it recently that made me laugh was I was hanging out with Donnie Barley, and uh, he's doing the barrel jump. And I was like, this should be in the Olympics. Skateboarding should be <laughs> in the Olympics. Fucking barrel jump. Imagine the dudes from, like, whatever country doing that are just built for good jumping. Like, I'd be blown away. Like, a German That'd team, cool. China team, and they're just jumping barrels. Could you argue that? I, mean, <laughs> I like I like that idea. Like, throw it back to, like, the stuff from the 70s. Like, where, like slalom where down a hill? Slalom racing, yeah. And, like, there's some kind of, like... Why not? They're, they're as good as street skaters, right? That would be awesome. It'd be cool. You'd probably get some crossover too, like some gnarly, some people who don't even know they're good at slalom. (laughs) Surprisers, some sleepers in there. You're like, holy shit. Didn't know Richard Jackson was that good at slalom. (laughs) Yeah, like Tori Pudwell wins, like, (laughs) picks the gold in slalom. (laughs) He'd shape it like a grizzly grip thing and it'd be tight. He's a natural. (laughs) Some hidden talents. Yeah, I, the Olympic thing's crazy to me, but it is what it is. The funny thing about the Olympics is, like, I'm just, like, go for it because it's the opposite of what I do in skateboarding and what I like about skateboarding. So it'll just be a contrast. Kids that don't want to do that will be more enthralled with no rules and just creation and personality and, and expression. You know what yeah. I mean? Not to say that the team thing's not, but there's just a lot more restrictions, you know, compared to what we do out in the streets, videos and everything. Mm-hmm putting together blogs and podcasts and YouTube and doing all this, like creating a skate world, if you will. Snowboarding resisted it forever. Um, and, uh, you know, the, and 
that seems like it made the IOC push even harder. And like you can't have us, you can't have us. <laughs> Is that yeah, what it and is? then and then when and then they they got snowboarding and then you know dudes are smoking weed like partying <laughs> getting nuts fuck yeah <laughs> and everyone was so surprised it's like are you <laughs> <laughs> how could but snowboarders want to party and have fun <laughs> it's like... weird right <laughs> it's like the dude the it's like the um, assistant principal or whatever he was in um, Breakfast Club you mess with the bull you're gonna get the horns. <laughs> <laughs> or the dude. Who's the dude that wears the cut-off gloves? The fucking the, the bad dude. I'll be that yeah. guy. Or you could be the Emilio Estevez type character, like with the tank top and shit. <laughs> I think just, I mean, skateboarding is like, it's got that rock and roll element to it. And everyone loves rock and roll, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then, until, until they're in the middle of it and they're like, holy shit, like these fuckers are gnarly. Like, there's some partying and there's some violence and there's some like shit happens yeah sh and shit will happen so <laughs> that'll be that'll be good to watch well, okay well this yeah this is already amazing i'm thinking about dudes that like that uh that shit happened that disrupted everything <laughs> fucking amazing skaters yeah skaters but just individual skaters that are just like disruptive to like even skateboarding, that's when you're like, holy shit, you're really disruptive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let me go to my list real quick. Cause we okay. Can, we can go down that rabbit. They are talking about drugs. Uh, they're talking about testing for drugs in the Olympics with skateboarding. There's some bullshit I saw on a website um, today that there's some drama with that. But that's so funny. It's like, dude, it's so weird. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that too. They, they, they were concerned about well, if we have these skaters in here, which is what everyone's been saying for decades, right? Well, if the skaters are in here, like, you're not going to be able to let, like, 90% of these dudes in because they all smoke weed. Yeah. And then they're biased towards weed smokers. Fucking bastards. <laughs> well, and it, it, it's a prohibition sort of mentality that's left over. If the thing was legal, um, I think you'd see it. I think you see people's attitudes toward it be more like it is for alcohol. Dude. But it still has the, it's still like law. So, and some people really don't ever want to break the law, whether those, they think it's right or wrong. Yeah. Those people that look at people that smoke weed and demonize them, they're assholes because dude, sugar's a powerful drug more than weed probably. Like look, America's full of obese people and it's probably because of sugar. You know what I mean? Like one <laughs> yeah. of the most powerful drugs. Sugar changed our whole culture. You know what I mean? Like it's in everything. So, uh, you know what I mean? Like the same people that are like, don't smoke weed or don't do that or this are the people that I'm looking at. I'm like, you're doing drugs and you don't even know they're drugs. Like, what are you telling me? I imagine it was what it was like for, um, you know, people uh before and after prohibition like it had alcohol had such a stigma and um and then they attached the law to it too and so you know pe no one no one wa everyone wants to be a law-abiding citizen and be a good person so and that that lasted for decades after prohibition was over like but you know they had they had speakeasies like secret places to go and that's what all epic. the sweet books and movies are about. It's like <laughs> it caused some epicness to go down. People are like, "You want to restrict my freedom? We're gonna find a way." <laughs> it'll and so someday that's just how it'll go. Like that's how it'll be. But 
Yeah. I think, um, you know, the, those cultures, um, skateboarding and all these other things are just intertwined. So like, you know, it's again, like it's, it's rock and roll and shit's going to happen. So if it's, and it's real hard to control skateboarding as soon as you think like, okay, we got, I got these guys, I got this group of people and we're going to make them go in this direction. And it's like the, you know it as well as I do, like the exact opposite's going to happen. Something that's, crazy. That's Equal exactly, and opposite. That's exactly why I have a podcast. Because if someone wants to control skateboarding, then they're going to have to stop me from talking about my version of skateboarding and the versions I right. like of skateboarding. And that, that's not going to happen. Unless they have, they're going to have to cut my internet, find a way to team up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, fuck that. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> But it's cool. That's, that kind of leads into a whole other conversation about like skateboarders working with um, like corporate money and non-skateboarders. That I I don't know if that's a rabbit hole, but um, I wonder. I got a question. Do you think Paul Rodriguez would ever sell his board brand to Target? Because doesn't he ride for Target? Um, I think he rides for Target. I think he... there's a couple other guys that ride for Target too. Maybe the Sean Malto ride for Target as well. Sean White, I think maybe. Um, but I wonder though, right? Like where would that, wouldn't that be such a weird move? Cause you'd be like, what about skate shops and all the shit? And it, sure. that'd be a profit driven thing at that point or what, you know? I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, that, that's the, every once in a while we kind of rub up against those things actually happening or not happening. And, you know, we, every, people have seen it with shoe brands for sure because, yeah, everyone um, wears but, shoes. Every there's, you know, the board thing is, is weird. I, I don't know if it would work, but, um, I could see him. I mean, not Paul necessarily, but I could see someone who had an established sort of skateboard brand, um, oh, do the thing where they, they continue to make the, the board brand that they've always made. And then they do something more mainstream uh, for other outlets, you know, something you would not, not necessarily find in a, in a skate shop. Yeah. Like but a I mean, I don't, I kind of don't think um, a Paul Rodriguez would, would go there. I don't, I don't know what he would, I don't know what you would gain from it. Um, Do you think he'll be in the, in the Olympics? I wonder. Do I think that, do I think that skateboarding will be in the Olympics? No, P-Rod. Imagine if P-Rod got a gold medal. That would make me happy for some reason. I really yeah. Because <laughs> he seems it like would... he deserves a gold medal. <laughs> no, it'd be great. Like, he, he just won that contest, like, that street league. Like, yeah. He's he's on fire. I'm a huge fan of Paul Rodriguez. I really like yeah, his... Yeah, I always have been, too. I like his skating and the things I've read and listened to. I, and his father's into comedy, which is really rad. And I really he's, like he's got a he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's always seemed um, uh, like wise for his years. Yeah, 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 for sure. I was I listened to this podcast. It's uh, Joe Rogan. He's a comedian. Yeah, and, I know who that guy is. Oh, sick! I, that's actually why I started the podcast was because of him. He was just like super hyped on it and was like, "Hey, if you want to share stuff and talk like and you feel like you could do it, you should start a podcast." Like, and I was like, "Fuck, that was good advice." So, um, but he always says, he's always like, 
he talks about weird things like skateboarding and like like obscure things and he's like no one knows anyone but tony hawk there's only one like you know what i mean a mainstream appearance and mm-hmm. i was like why i'm like yeah i guess to the outside it's like tony hawk sean white people that are in the olympics i guess or whatever but like it should be more right like there's a lot of comedians you know and a lot of movie stars and artists and like it's crazy to me yeah. that, that it is yeah it is there's it seems like it's if if you were just to base it on like whatever it's awesomeness yeah it's skateboarding's so much cooler so much more significant so much more of an influence on culture than lots of mainstream things so you would think like lots of people would know about it but i don't know it's um i think too like i mean you and i both know like it's also the hardest thing physically to do to like master to like learn and uh i I think it's i think it yeah and i think it i think it stops a lot of people in their tracks like it's got these barriers there and if you're if your mindset is like if you're the kind of person that wants to get past these barriers there's always something in skateboarding to push against. There's always something to kind of like struggle with. Yeah, there's too and, many different uh, ways to do it. Yeah, and if, and if you, but if you're not into being challenged, or like if you're not into like taking some lumps, like it'll you probably wouldn't you won't go you won't you just won't skate like it, it yeah. won't happen. So I think like that's another thing that sort of keeps it so um, it keeps it kind of out of the mainstream. It's yeah. just a little too gnarly. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's and so that it's, so it's like, it's easy to be like, Oh yeah, I know about skateboarding. It's like it's Tony Hawk. The thing that's been easy. Like I saw his name on bikes and I saw his name on video games and I saw his name on snacks and he's a good spokesperson. And so, they're like, yeah, like skateboarding, Tony Hawk, and then they don't they don't really have to think about it much after that. You know, um, you know what I like about skateboarding is that I really like personalities a lot. I'm a big fan of people with personality and like I think there's a lot of good qualities that skateboarders have and they could they should pursue those and bring skateboarding along with it and like I don't know. Like, there's so many dudes that I want to have talk shows or to be, like, a personality in something. Or, like, there's so many characters and individuals that I'm just like, these people should be on the screen, on TV, or, like, they should be known for something. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. and I think I think with the technology that we have, like, people could do that. Like, you could have a voice. You could be a face. You could be good at the athletic side. You could be – you could create a movement. You could start a brand. Like, there's so many different ways to be involved in skateboarding these days that we can form our own industries without the approval of the Olympics. <laughs> you won't get drugs. Oh yeah, and <laughs> you won't get I think skateboarding. <laughs> skateboarding will continue to do that. I, I, I think too. There's the whole aspect of uh, <laughs> skateboarders um, going on to do other things, like yeah. going on to be like firemen or construction guys or lawyers or electricians or musicians and then taking what they've gotten through skateboarding and applying it to those things like uh yeah 
Red always says skateboarders rule the world. Like if you if you go to places where there's exceptional things happening and uh, people are of uh, under a certain age, I guarantee you, like they came up with a skateboard. Like fuck yeah, and it 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 affected them and it and it affects their outlook on how they are moms and dads and how they're teachers and how they're subway workers or whatever like yeah it's amazing it's amazing i think we have to cheer more people on that skateboarding the, the industry side i don't know how it is nowadays as much i feel like it's changed but i feel like people used to kind of attack each other and eat each other up like you wouldn't want the dude next to you to come up or whatever you know there's a lot more hate in skateboarding but nowadays yeah, i feel I'll... like we need to cheer some people on <laughs> Yeah, I, there's ton, like you were saying, there's tons of room for everybody. Just gotta, we gotta let gotta, it. We gotta let it be. We gotta let it be. Yeah. Fucking let it be. All right, I'm gonna cross off the, le- the list. I'm glad you had that conversation with me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. Okay, we covered school, sort of. What'd you go to college for? What What was your classes? Oh. I went for three and a half years and with no major and then stopped and worked at Transworld for like two and a half years and then came back and almost started over. But the second time I declared, uh, right away declared um, and myself as an English major. And then, uh, so that's what I graduated with. Like I have a, a Bachelor of Arts degrees degree um, in English from the University of Nebraska. Awesome. Well, this leads me to um, how did the trans world come to be? The opportunity with trans world come to be? Um, I so because before you go in the, before you go in was this is like trans world when I was watching it. It was like a huge right. Like trans was big. So th- it, this was this was before that. This mm-hmm. would have been um, when trans world was just a magazine, and it was. Every other month. Oh man, bummer! They didn't even put it out uh, monthly in the in the mid '80s, and then uh, about the time I started was about the time they started. They switched over to doing it monthly. So They're like Kevin's here, we're doing it monthly now. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were planning on do it, doing it before me. I'd like to take credit. Uh, that's what um, I'm going to pretend. They were like. on their own thing, and um, uh, but I. I worked, so I made zines here, like I would get hurt and not skate, be not skating for a month or something. So take, it's the same old story you've heard a million times. Like oh, I started taking photos. I started like printing artwork. I started like whatever, booking bands. And like, I tried to just make zines and I had these other friends who were making zines. And then, um, there was a little like zine sort of group um, that Todd Swank was a part of, um, and Andy Jenkins was a part of, and Andy did artwork for girl for years and years. Nice. Um, that's a good crew already. Spike Jones was a part of it. Damn. Uh, next level. Like who else? Roger Bridges and Pete D'Antoni, like these dudes, like, um, the, the story goes, Oh, no one, this was how everyone communicated. This is how you found out what was going on in the scene out in Milwaukee or in Minneapolis. And, um, my friend here, Bernie McGinn, 
um, was making a zine called Tiki, and um, he was trading it with guy with those guys, and then uh, I was kind of doing it at the same time, so I started trading with him too. They knew he was a photographer, and um, these guys worked at a place in um, Hermosa, wait, in Torrance, um, called Wizard Publications, and they made a, a BMX magazine called Freestyling. Sick. And they also made another magazine called Homeboy that was <laughs> large format, and it had skating in it, and music, and some like freestyle BMX and art and all this other crazy shit. And they asked Bernie to come out and be the darkroom tech and shoot photos. And then I was like, well, what do you guys think you'd need somebody else <laughs> to do something? And they're like, we don't know. Um, let's see. Why do you want to come out and you could try and be like a, an associate editor, some kind of like, writer editor guy and I was like I guess that sounds awesome and it was that was just sort of my ticket to get out there and then that thing went on for like two or three months after I had moved there and then they folded it so we no one had jobs and we had built a whole the whole next issue for the most part and we had all these friends that worked at at Transworld there was Steve Sherman was a photographer and and Todd Swank was a photographer, and I didn't know him at that point, but some of the guys I was working with knew Grant Britton. Sick. And we were like, well, we have all this material. Do you guys want to cherry pick it and, and see if you can use it for your next issue or two? And they called us down there for a meeting, and they just happened to have an opening for a, an editor there, too. So yeah. Transworld got a bunch of material from... Uh, from Homeboy for like an issue. They spread it out over a couple issues and I ended up staying there and working um, in the office. Spike started shooting photos for him at that point. Um, Damn, this seems kind of uh, crazy. Did you realize what you, you were in when you were do, being involved? Were you like, oh, this is pretty heavy, like with the people involved and stuff? It all, yeah. I mean, it was exactly... Uh, like it was like one of those things where you're like, this is a dream situation. Like these guys are all cool as fuck. Like I got to leave my hometown to come out here and work on something in skateboarding. Like this is the best ever, but no, you know, I couldn't, you can't predict the future. It just seems super fun and exactly what I wanted to be doing at the time. So, well, I'm thankful dude, because the shit that you guys created, or everyone that is part of that is like what got me so turned on skateboarding and like seeing that there's a world of like I remember the first magazines and like just tripping out. I didn't know about sponsors, shoes, any of that that stuff. But on top of that, I didn't know about like even street skating or just there's a photographer, there's a filmer, there's a crew. Like I didn't know about any of that. And then the stories and the writing and like I read the, all the articles and then you learn about trips and people leaving the country or going somewhere different in the country. And but it's because, you know, like people that are making zines come together <laughs> or are passionate about yeah. like showing that stuff and being thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank I, you for I'm being a uh, part of it I mean, and being hyped. It's such a huge like um it's like a it's like a giant sort of um, promotional thing for skateboarding. It's like, you know, when a state has like a, um, what do you call it? Like a tourism board? Yeah. 
those magazines and like the video, the early videos and stuff, all the stuff that was around and the zines and all that stuff, those were just sort of brochures for skateboarding and travel and like that culture. It was a good, it was a good little, um, good little program. Seemed like it worked out pretty good. Yeah, it's like a bunch of people are doing awesome shit. People got to document it and then put that that shit into a collection, form a magazine, and then you have like an industry that built around it, you know? And then videos as well contributed to that. And all kind of done by like kids or people who just like just got done being kids. It's, it was all sort of Lord of the Flies style like uh, we, no one knew no one knows what we're doing, but <laughs> fucking rule this thing. This is going to be great. Yeah, it's impressive to look back from to where skateboarding is today and to look back and just trip out on um, the the progression. It's insane. It's weird to have a timeline and see it. Like, I guess because I'm getting older, I'm seeing it more, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but but um, someone was asking me the other day, like, how long I'd lived where I lived. And I, and, uh, I told them, they're like, have you seen the climate change have you noticed is there a noticeable climate change from when you were a kid to now and i'm like oh yeah there is and uh i think the longer you are around um if you can if you can hang on to your memory yeah um i think you you, you do see a big sort of you can see big changes and for sure in skateboarding skateboarding is no exception to that there's yeah. been it's big changes but at the same time, like compared to something like football or baseball, um, skateboarding's a baby still. Like you can still, you know somebody who knows somebody who was one of the first dudes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That far and, removed. Right. You're. We're only a, a generation or two away from the beginning of this thing. Like the whole genesis of skateboarding was just you know, less than a hundred years ago. And, and, uh, um, you know, things like even the, like the tour de France, just that race, not biking, not bike racing overall, but just that race is, you know, over a hundred years old. Yeah. Crazy. So skateboarding still is a baby. So it's, it's cool to see those, those sort of long tail, like long term changes in it. It's, but it just started too. Yeah. It's insane. It's I say that all the time, um, that it's an infant compared to these other industries. It's it's totally compared. Um, and I love perspective. I guess that's getting older. I always when I was younger, I always wanted to be like I would tell people, I can't wait to get older. I want to get older. Like I used to say that all yeah. the time. I think because I wanted perspective. Because I, I was like in the moment, you know. And it's like as you get mm -hmm. older, you can look back and go, "Holy shit, this is like what happens." You can understand it a little more. Um, yeah, you have a little context the older yeah. you get. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I like seeing it in skating, though. Like, that's why. Um, Me too. Yeah, that's why. Like, I like to do the podcast too, is because I want to have people on that have contributed to skateboarding, and like, just to add to that that context and to see it, because we have all the stories, like dudes that have like, all of us that love skateboarding have contributed in any which way. You guys have such epic stories of a formation of something that's so beautiful and like. It's all our life forces, you know? It's like, we should capture that. It's like, cool. I, li I really like stuff, too, like like this. Like, you know, the daily sort of show up and document this thing. Because, you know, uh, 
once once these dudes are gone, once you know, fifty, sixty years from now, like the only way you'll know that this stuff happened was that it was documented somehow. Yeah, or you right. were, yeah, because you'll be gone eventually. So you're even if you're a part of it, you'll be gone. Right. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, it's nice. Like uh, I do like um, the idea of a podcast and all the all the sort of new digital media that's out there. It's amazing. It's just another way to kind of get it all down. So we know our history. Um, there's a there's a dude named Kevin Marks who's doing. I know Kevin. He's been on my show, and he's awesome. Yeah, he's, yeah. So he's doing the look back library. He says he's got twenty libraries of skateboard magazines that he maintains. Like, you know, he's digging that shit out of people's garages and attics so that it can be at the skate shop now. And when you go in to like buy shoes or get a setup, like you can look at magazines from thirty years ago and see and see it. Like it's not dead. Like. It was really there. And, and for the, you know, 30 years ago, like, that's how it was recorded. Those were magazines and zines were how that, yeah, that's where our, that's where our oral, oral history is. That's when Ke Kevin, um, um, he, Kevin Marks came to here and as Solstice Skate Shop in New Bedford, Mass, and he brought all the magazines and set it up. Yeah. And like, when I walked in, I didn't even really say hi to anyone. I kind of did, but I was like instantly attracted to the magazines. And I said, everyone knows me. They know I'm a little weird. But I, so I walked in like a fly to a light. And I was just like, every one of them, I'm like, oh, I remember this. And as I go through it, it's like, it's like I'm there again. I remember the van I was in, like when I flipped through that thing five times and looked at the back cover a million yeah. times. And like, as I go through, I'm like, these are like fucking Bibles of just like, life and time and it's like photographers filmers the collection of people that came together to create magazines and those tours and all that stuff it's it's gold <laughs> for sure well, those, we were talking about this the other day too like those all the the videos when when the video became less cloak and dagger like making a skateboard video became easy Democratized. like everyone you could ev like a 20 year old dude could buy a camera and he could learn how to edit it. And when that, like when those things fell apart and it wasn't like the old guard or like, you know, some guy who had, uh, has his doctorate in filmmaking, like doing the editing, like it was just like kids running the show. Nice. Like those, those videos too are amazing. It's just dudes figuring shit out and, um, just like, Changing the whole script on how all that went down, like on how how we recorded skateboarding, it's awesome. Um, so, whatever I have, thirty or forty VHS tapes in my closet that I can't seem to get rid of, but they are they they are some real value. Like there's stuff there. They only you know they would only print a hundred of those things or five hundred of those things at a time. Yeah. Back then, like there's not very much of it. Yeah, I have so much stuff that I'm like, why do I have this? Why can't I? Why can't I let go of this? This is nothing. Like, it shouldn't be worth. It's a piece of paper. It's a tape. It's a. I'm like, it's, it's just cluttering. And my girl looks at me like I'm crazy. But to me, I'm like, this shit's amazing. Like, this, I remember. Well, this. and that's that's it. Once if that if you throw that away, like, it's gone. 
Yeah. It's not like there's uh, this stuff's in the Library of Congress and someone has it in a museum and they're trying to hang on to it. There are a few dudes like um, Kevin's that is the most sort of recent incarnation of it. But Skate um, Lab has quite the collection. Skate Lab. Um, there's uh, Nick in Florida, Skateboard Museum. Like there's a lot of people that have like private collections. There's the stuff at Skatopia. Like there's um, the stuff at NHS. Like those are cool, like big, like in your face collections. Um, but I mean, I think there's, there's thousands of more people like yourself that have a chunk of skateboarding history with them. And, uh, um, you know, if, when you decide that you don't need it anymore, like it's gone. Yeah. So it'd be but cool. Well, it'd be cool if, if that stuff, uh, all could be sort of live in a central spot someday. Yeah. That would be epic for sure. Sometimes I all eBay a board. Like I eBayed a collection of boards that I had and I didn't want to, I really did not want to my lady. I just have no room. So, <laughs> but, and I was like, you know what, if I get rid of stuff, then all new stuff will come into my life because I'll have less stuff and it'll just, you know. So, um, but I got rid of the series and I knew it was going to sell. I was like, it's, it's going to sell. I love this thing so much. Like, I see the value in it, the art and all this stuff. Sure shit, it's sold so fast. And I was like, I didn't feel bad because it went to like someone that really wanted it, I could tell, you know. Like, there was demand for it. They cared about yeah. it. So maybe they can put it in a museum. Or That's something. right. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not going to someone... Um, a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm gonna buy this and just toss it or bury it again. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, we're gonna jump around a little bit because uh, how how are we doing? We're dude, doing. Are we covering some ground? Dude, we're. I could talk to you for days. You're gonna have to be a repeat uh, guest for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry to put that pressure on you already, but we could. No, no, it's good. I didn't, good really, I didn't cover much on our list because we just you can you, you know how to do this so. Um, okay, I'm gonna jump around a bit just to spice it up. Coolest right. place, coolest place you've ever traveled? I went to Copenhagen last year. Whoa, sick for skating. For yeah, I was there during the contest, and um, it was it was the coolest setup I've ever seen. There's I've been to a lot of cool like contest things, like contest weekends and stuff. But the thing in Copenhagen um, lasts a week. And the contest itself is at like six different locations. And sometimes there'll be th two or three locations in one day. And so you're on bikes with skateboards strapped to them. Like all the competitors and all the people who are uh, there to see the contest, who've traveled from all over the whole world are there. And at each spot they have, it's an awesome skate spot. Some of them are real, like, in front of a bank down this big four or like in a mini skate park on a corner or in some like next to this, um, next to this falafel place or whatever. <laughs> and it's there'll boring. be, uh, there's a DJ set up there and, um, and the, and there's 40 cases of beer sitting out there that they got from the sponsor and everyone's just watching like, 30 dudes skate for two hours and then it's like, okay, that's done. Let's go to the next spot. And it, the whole, the whole group just kind of gets together and somehow makes it to the next spot. And that goes on for like 
four day, four or five days or something. It was the, the coolest thing ever. How the fuck do you pull that one off? Jesus Christ. It's great. There's some, that, those, uh, what do they call the contest? It's like Copenhagen Pro. And uh, those guys are amazing. And their city is mind-blowing. It's made to get around on bikes. It's super friendly. It's soup. The climate is really nice. There's tons of stuff to skate. They're constantly building things. Um, but like they'll be, it's a, it's a, it's a really old city, and there'll be there'll be new skate spots in the middle of these old city centers, these old little parks, and or if they build a soccer field, they're always putting some skate spot right next to it or some ledges. And when you skate there, you know, unless you're like out of your mind or something like they just people just skate they don't care like they just look at you like you're skating right next to a cafe with outdoor seating and no one gives two shits yeah, you're just doing awesome. your that's thing awesome. and they're doing their thing yeah. i think part of it yeah. I, think, I don't know for sure um my little theory that i one little theory that i developed is that when you're in copenhagen your summer is pretty short like, it might only be, there might only be, like, four or five months where, like, you're wearing a t-shirt. And the rest of the time, like, uh, but the sun, the sun stays up till 11 or something. Wow. So, people are just like, okay, we got, I got four or five months, I'm going to try and get all the outdoor activity I can get, like, in this time before it turns into just, uh, you know, the winter is like, the winter is just. There's days where you know, the sun kind of pops up over the horizon, but the sun doesn't come up for they real. They need their vitamin D. That's what they're trying. So to they're do. just going. It's everyone's just going wild for like five months, and but it's just kind of a good sort of level-headed scene, and everyone's trying to take care of business. It's cool. I really dug it there, um, and uh, so that was that was last summer. Like, you know, out of all the places I've ever been or gone to, like, um, that one sticks with me the most. It was great. That's rad. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome time. Good job, Copenhagen. <laughs> I like that Doing it's it. several days. I'd, I could be like, because I could go for days. Like, if I was out skating, smoking weed, drinking water, eating good food, hanging out with awesome people, maybe having a beer or two, I could go for like maybe four or five days like <laughs> i yeah, can do that oh yeah. it's cool too because you don't uh as a, as someone who's in the contest if you were a contest skater um you don't have to enter every event either you could do the iron man thing and be in every single one yeah or, or you could be like i want to do the death race and i want to skate the the new little mini street park they built and everything else maybe like i don't want to jump down this giant four set like okay I'll, I'll skip that one yeah. um that's the other thing it's like it's kind of like a free-for-all too like whatever like we got this giant skate park we're gonna have a vert session and you can skate it if you want or you don't have to you can just wait how many people do you the, how many people do you think were involved uh like in the contest or just like it watching it like did it feel like you were with a massive group of people yeah it would feel like it felt like you know a thousand people everywhere you went or you were just like sort of it was just a mob yeah it sounds like a concert you're like on con you're on tour <laughs> it was like it was like going yeah it was like 
It was like going on. It was like if the dead played for five days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> at, in one city and at five different spots. And you just went around to each spot like, okay, cool. They're playing in this park now. Okay, now they're playing over here like in an arena. No, it's awesome. And uh, a lot of the credit uh, goes to those folks who run the contest. But like that city is doing a lot of things right. Yeah. Sick. All right, I'm gonna go back to the list. List. I, I want to make sure I cover everything. All right, we Nebraska. I'm guessing you're not too much into sports. Um, not a lot. I'm I'm a little brainwashed because I'm from here and uh, I'm conditioned. Let's say, um, because Nebraska football is the hugest thing ever here. Yeah. yeah. And in all of Nebraska, um, and. Uh, you know, when we were little kids, we were super into it. And then when we got to be too cool for it in high school, then we were like, fuck that. Those guys are jocks. <laughs> and then, um, but once I moved away, I noticed that like a little bit of my identity was tied up in that. Like it was tied up in Nebraska football and what that meant, like on those Saturdays when you're a little kid and stuff. And so I follow, uh, I follow Nebraska and whoever they're playing nice. and, uh, and, and that they're in the big 10 now. So, and so I, I pay attention to that a little bit, but other than that, not too much. Um, I've always been a basketball fan, but like, um, uh, maybe less so, um, in the last 15 years. How, Once, tall, how tall are you? I'm six, three, Can you almost six, four. I, uh-uh, I can't dunk. You've never dunked. No. You're a bastard. You're six three, man. If I was six three, that would be my goal, like for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of what I found out is it's a lot of really heavy meat to try and get off the ground. <laughs> oh, you're ridiculous, man. <laughs> I know. But, the... <laughs> um, not, not too much. Not super into sports. Definitely nothing uh, serious, like where I'm like, where it's do or die or or anything like that. It's funny. Um, I, I bet some people think I'm not into sports, but maybe they maybe they don't because I'm always I'm always talking about skateboarding and like you know sure. you know it's I don't want it to be a sport. It can be a sport, but I don't want it to only be a sport. You know, but I do like sports. I like basketball a lot. Um, heavy. I was heavy. Not so much. Like I still watch it here and there, but like I was super obsessed with sports. And I like pride too. I like when there's like. I like teamwork. I like a lot of things about sports, you know. There's great mm -hmm. things about it, but just skating, there's something that skating has that's special that I feel like if we let the same people that run sports run skateboarding, it'll take away that specialness from skating, you know. But but sports in themselves aren't necessarily a bad thing, you know. Like, I, I, I used to play sports coming up. Do you ever play any sports like baseball, soccer, football? Yeah, when I was a little kid, I, I played t-ball and then baseball and then I played a little football. I played basketball. Um, we ran track and cross country growing up, right, right. and all, all through high school. And um, you know, it was just another another thing to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, like like you're talking about, like skateboarding, you know, it just takes over. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and, and it's. It's so much sweeter than all that stuff combined. You're like, I don't even want to mess with it. Yeah, it's something. It's uncensored or something. It's just so free compared to that stuff that it's like, 
it doesn't, it's not even on the same fucking level. Like, so many people I talk to, it consumes their life the second they find it. They're like, this is amazing. And then it's just like everything else is backseat. Um, I, I know that there's athletes out there, like, you know, talking about it on the pro level, but where they get to a, a point in their professional career, like as a baseball player or as a boxer or whatever, where they have to stop and they have to be like, I'm done. I'm done playing football or I'm done playing baseball. I'm done pitching. And, um, I know a lot of those guys don't want that to happen, but it's sort of, there's so many people that have come before them that tell them like, Hey, your, your career is only this long. And when you're done, you're done. And, um, but it seems like this, you know, the, the people I grew up with that played sports, like they're not doing sports anymore. But a lot of the people I grew up with in skateboarding, like they're just hanging on for dear life. They want to be a part of, they want to continue to be a part of it or to skate on whatever level they can still manage it. Like it's one of those things that I think, um, uh, that's when you, I think that's when you look at it as sort of a practice or sort of a, an art, um, I know people compare it to martial arts and that's a lifelong practice or they compare it to, um, music, jazz, especially like, you know, you, you, you practice every day. Like you get your chops in, you keep yourself, you keep your practice up or, uh, so that when it comes time to kind of Jedi out, you can still do it. Like you, and, uh, I don't, I know, uh, I know I'm sort of generalizing here, but I don't, I don't see a lot of people like hanging on for dear life. Like I still need to go out and play football. Like, yeah. Or I still need to go out and, and I, and identify myself as a baseball player and as a pitcher. And, you know, um, you know, every time you say one of these things, there's like a million people lining up to tell you you're wrong. But I, I don't see that in those other sports. I, I, but I, I, do don't, see it. I don't see it either. I see people telling stories about how good it used to be and how they used to. I see that a lot. And then like sometimes there's a rec team. The thing about team sports is you need a team, you know, like skating is so individual that you can take right. it. You can. I think that's what separates it is it's so intimate to the individual. You can have a team. But that's why it's more of an art than a sport, you know? Like a sport is you need a team and you have all these principles and you're learning and an art is expression and it's like a ball of clay. And then if anyone can put their hands into that ball of clay and create with that. And that's like, that's individual level, you know? That's, you can do things what, as, together, but. What do you think are some of the like unwritten rules? Because skateboarding has rules. Whether and we like to pretend it, there's no rules and we can do whatever we want. But I've gone, I've gone full. Um, I've given up on all the rules, pretty much. Even Mongo. Fuck it. You don't. It doesn't matter to you. I'm going. I just. I can't. Like I. I know what you're saying because like coming up when yeah. I was skating and shit and like I always had like opinions and opinions. I had yeah. opinions and I thought my opinions mattered. But as I get older, I'm like, I don't really have an opinion. I know what I like. I know what looks good to me. I know what yeah. my preferences are. But, like, if someone shows up and they're pushing Mongo with a visor on and some D3s and, like, they're killing it, I'm, like, fucking <laughs> cheering that dude on. Might not be – it's a good yeah. 
It might not be what I want to be, but fuck, that's awesome. <laughs> Is that what, yeah. did I answer your question? Well, yeah, like, um, it seems like uh, out of one side of our mouths, we're like, there's no rules. This is total freedom. You do whatever you want. And then the other side, we're like, except like your board can't be older than this age and you can't push this way and don't do those tricks. Those things are whack. And, um, you know, like there's, there's all these conditions. So I guess it's like, um, uh, it's weird. It's, it's kind of, it's a little bit yin and yang. Uh, when it comes to the rules. I think it's because people are so passionate about the thing that, that is theirs. Like I said, it's such an individual thing. You find skateboarding, right. you find skateboarding and you fall, fall in love with it and you create your version of what it should be, like trick style, color, whatever, you know, like you, and then it's yours. And then no one, everyone thinks they're right. So it's like, yeah, people defend their art, you know, like, it's like um in it's like hip hop in that sense where there's like battles and opinions and assholes and like it can have that side to it like and I get that people are passionate they love it that's how I look at it I just the line gets crossed when people like try to put someone down just to yes just for no reason just because they make they're trying to make themselves feel better or whatever you know I I I have opinions but I'll be the first to admit that I'm full of shit. Like, I'll tell you right now, I don't like this dude skating. Like, if we were hanging out, I'd be like, ugh, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I'd be like, dude, but he can have it. It's awesome. Like, I'm hyped to skate. Like, I'm sure. full of shit. My opinion don't mean nothing. But I have flavors, you know? No, it, it's cool. It. Uh, I think a lot of what is good about skateboarding are those, like, gray areas. Yeah. Like, it's not black. It's not black and white. It's not like yes or no. It's like there's so much different style and so many different influences and um, like the more the merrier. I will say this though, since I've been sponsored and I am competitive at heart, like I'm com I'm competitive more with myself. But when I was younger, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, like. But I've seen people, like, put other people down just because they're competitive and they want to, like, um, they feel like if they put someone else down, it'll put them up. And that's such a shitty thing. I've never done that. I've never tried to, like, tear anyone down. I might yeah. do it. I might I might talk shit in, in a joking manner because sometimes in my crew or, like, Funny Factor wins. Like, and sometimes that ends up on me. They're like, you look like Nicolas Cage. I'm like, god damn it, you're right. Like, I'm pissed, but it's hilarious. Like, fuck. I have a receding hairline. I have hairy arms. Like, fuck. <laughs> so, like, but, but, like, I've never done that maliciously. Like, been mean to people to try to, like, prosper above them or put them out or, like, like I feel like that's, like, where the line's drawn. And I've seen that. I've seen that because when the money gets involved and fame and magazines and notoriety and shit like that, I've seen people yeah. do stupid shit like that or act bad like that. And we know that. We all know that happens. Like that happens in everything, not just yeah. skateboarding. Um, but nowadays it seems way more free, Kevin, because like there's so many different outlets. So you can just like – there's a lot of channels. There's a lot of streams. If you like something, you can find it and put your hand in it and be a part of it and – it's not such like because back in the day it was like magazines and videos. That's the way you right. get recognized. That those are the gatekeepers. Not to say anything's wrong with that. Like that was just the formation of it. But that yeah, leads it leads to that, you know. But now I think people. I t I tell people I'm like, dude, fucking start a podcast. 
have a YouTube channel, share your experience so we can have all these flavors. Otherwise, you're just watching on the sideline. You can do it too. Right. It's awesome. And and for now, it's wide open. I yeah. think. I think it's great. It's a great. It's it's really the best time. Like I watched a little of that Vans contest last week that they had in Huntington Beach. Nice. Um, I watched. What did I watch? I watched the new Polar video nice. last week. Have you seen that thing? Yeah, I just watched it too. It's sick. It's great. Like um, that guy, Eric Winkowski. Yeah, crazy. He has that crazy video part. Sky Seljig has that crazy video part. Like you wouldn't see this stuff happening, you know, 10 years ago because of those black and white divisions and, and what people thought there was room enough for and what people thought they didn't want to see or they did want to see. And, um, you know, if there has been, we talked about long-term change, if there has been change, um, significant, significant change in the last decade, it's been like, people sort of letting their guard down as far as like what's cool and what's not cool and trying to define it. It's like this, all this shit is cool. You realize that, right? Like everything you're seeing and skating, all these dudes that are killing it, like wild style or like super tech and tight, like that new little Rodney part, like there's still room for Rodney Mullen to put a part out and people to go ape shit over it. Dude, crazy. It's awesome. What about Ron Allen? He just put one out too. Sick as that. He's the best. That guy's. <laughs> there's still room for that. That's so kick ass. Like, yeah, I think the recession had a lot to do with that. I don't know if that's an asshole thing to say, but I think it was like a grand humbling, like when you feel like you could lose things. Like a lot of jobs were lost in skateboarding. A lot of people yeah. had to work harder just in their daily life, so their time skating got shrunk up. And then it's just like when something's like almost taken away or you feel like you could lose it then it's like oh let's just everyone have fun let everyone like everyone can live let them live let them live my yeah. homie my homie from hong kong used to say that he's like let them live let them live I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, good but that's a, like for a real on real like real talk like that's what i feel because i don't know i was born into like a recession kind of like my family was broken and i had violence and no safety since i was like born kind of like and that always put me on that edge where it's like, I just want peace. I just want to, yeah. I want people to be happy. I don't want, I don't want any, any rockiness, no upset, no one fighting, no drama. Like that's why school was tough too, is like, I'd go to school and then I'd see these kids with like trivial problems and, and it would bother me cause they'd be mean. And I'm like, oh, there's like so much pressure on some people. And I'd look around where I was living and I'd see these people and I'm like, they don't even know the disadvantage that they're at psychologically or meant like you're just like it's tough dude it's very tough so then the recession hit and i saw a lot of people kind of get humbled and to me i was like oh, i'm kind of comfortable i've been in this water before i know how to yep. I know how to work in this water like and uh yeah like i feel like that had a big thing a big impact on our culture which is insane i do too i i think it was tough for a lot of people and uh you sort of saw that um, back in the day too, when it uh, when it when it became tough for people, they kind of showed you like whether they were really into it or not. Yeah. Maybe they walked away from it or whatever, and uh, but it also left room for a lot of people 
to come in and do their own thing and and um being humble is a good thing it 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 works wonders on people's personalities and their outlooks and stuff it's i don't i would never wish ill on anyone i would never like plot revenge but time has a way of taking care of all that stuff on its own and uh um especially if you want to be you know you a lot of people there. come out the other a lot of people come out the other side of tough situations better people yeah you know yeah yeah a lot of the stuff that i condemn people of or i accuse them of is i've done those mistakes you know and it's like i yes I try daily. I'm trying daily to like redefine myself, to like figure out who I am and then how to move forward. And it's like a lot of work <laughs> and I can understand it. Like, oh, I think about the way the world's set up and like most people are working so much that they don't even get a chance to sweat and feel their heartbeat. And that like makes me sad, you know, like, fuck. Thank God yeah, for skateboarding it, though. The people that are working hard, they get that hour and they get to go skate. It's like, thank God. <laughs> I know. It's the best. It's, so it's been... Uh, we talked a little bit about this um, earlier, uh, maybe before you pressed record, but um, I've just been skating again the last two weeks after almost nine months off. What was the knee injury? I, I tore my ACL, like hyperextended it, running out of a, running down a wall, like running down out of a ramp. Skating. Oh. Yeah. Damn, did it, and, did, uh, hold on, before you go forward, did you feel a pop and like a buckle or? It didn't, it felt like it kind of bent the wrong way. Yeah. Not, it didn't, it didn't bend like your knee bends frontwards, <laughs> but it, it straightened out too much. Yeah. And, and I think it tweaked it a little sideways at the same time, just like too much pressure on that joint, like in that position. And so, um, but I knew something was wrong right away and then, uh, kind of let it sit for a month and then was like, this is like, this isn't a normal injury and got surgery on it right away. Uh, but, um, that was in 2015. And then like nine months after that was riding the bike path and a dude came blasting on the, onto the bike path onto my side and we had a head on collision God. and I tore, I tore it again and had to have surgery again. Jeez. And, uh, so that I'm, it's been a long, so it's been, I don't know. Let me think. It's been like 18, 17 months or something. I had a couple skate days in there in the middle, like when it was starting to feel good the first time, but this is like the first couple weeks where I've been, um, going to the park, hanging out with my friends, like trying to figure it out again. And it's the best. Yeah. Um, I, and I knew it while it was happening, but like, you don't, you don't realize like what you're missing when you're not doing it. Yeah. Injuries it's are so kick like ass that. to be skating. Yeah. Injuries are so funny like that because like they suck so bad, but then you start coming back and you're like, Oh, I ollied. Oh, I got the one eighties back. And then it like yeah. goes from there, you know? <laughs> no, it's the best. And, and, um, I can't remember. I think so. Bob Burnquist used when he was skating switch a lot when he was learning. So this would have been when he was a kid, maybe even anti-hero days. Like he's like the thing about skating switch is that you get to learn skateboarding all over again. 
And I was like, whoa, like, you're right. Like, you get to start over. And, and there is that aspect of coming back from an injury. Like, you get to relearn. You get to re-experience it like a bunch of first-timer things. Like, your first axle stall, your first ollie, like, dropping in for the first time. all Like, pushing around for the first time. You're like, okay, I wasn't sure it was going to work. Like, you lose that sort of, like thread you had where everything's like of course i can go push down the street and just learning to kind of push with your your new setup it's like learning to skate again yeah it's all it's awesome um it sucks that it takes an injury to get that the way i try to get that though like because i'm sorry elwood's interrupting it's cool. the show. elwood likes to interrupt always all right um the way i've been seeking that kind of is i do private skateboard lessons and um I don't like the group ones are fine, but I like private lessons because one on one's awesome because these kids like they their parents bring their kids to me and I'm like, How would I like how can I make these kids experience with skateboarding awesome? So I'm like, We're starting on the ground, we're gonna learn our center of balance. Like I get to show them all the like the simple things to do that are fun that have nothing to do with like getting injured and like so I get to see a lot of firsts again and through like helping them I get to like kinda relive it and it like it like reaffirms it in my head, you know, like I feel like I get a yeah. little dopamine hit every time like I help a kid <laughs> drop in or push on his own. I'm like, this is amazing. Or her. Yeah, I have a lot it. of girls that skate too. You get to experience that again. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Without the injury. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the same. Like firsthand experience is not the same. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going back to the list. All right. Oh, actually, I wanted to ask you about your rehab. What did you do to rehab your knee back the the first time and second time, I guess? Um, I've kind of done it um, about the same thing both times. Is I I do like the normal sort of physical therapy stuff uh, that you get going at the physical therapist, and then they send you away with a group of exercises. You know, like three months into it, and like you're kind of on your own, and and uh, and I ride a lot of bikes, ride bikes a lot every day, try and ride. Nice. What um, kind of bike? Uh, I have a, like, it's a cross bike, but it's, it's kind of like a road bike setup, but with a little bit fatter tire. So you can ride it off road too. Sick. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, and the town we live in too, like you get on your bike and you're in the country Beautiful. in, in 10 minutes. So traffic's really low there's stuff to look at you know you're not you don't you don't feel like you're sort of uh, in in the middle of um like a dense area where like someone could take you out or you're having to look out for someone or you could hurt somebody else like you're out in the middle of nowhere so it's nice good to, good little reflection points spend some time by yourself yeah, I love that. I love space. I call it space when you're in outer space. You have no yeah. no stimulus, nothing like that, and you're just like it's dead silent. That's like my favorite. Um, I the I have had to keep going to the gym, um, uh, which is not fun. I don't dig it, but I've got a little ritual that I do, and I I just try and make myself keep going because if uh, you know we went on a family vacation and I hadn't gone for a little bit and you could tell like the injury and the muscles around the injury and all that stuff, they still need to be like woken up. And if I feel like if I, uh, if I slack off a little bit, it starts to reverse itself. So I've had to kind of go to the, 
kind of keep on myself to go to the gym more and, you know, keep my foot on the gas pedal. But um, it's a means to an end, I guess. It's all so I can get better and skate. Yeah, that's awesome. I go to the gym, too. I don't go to work out, though. I go for, like, rehab. So there's my gym has a spa, so I go for the the hot tub, the sauna, the steam yeah. room, the pool. And I like going hot, cold, hot, cold. Because a lot of times my muscles are destroyed from just trying to film or a good session. And I'm like, I just need to go hot, cold and like stretch everything out. I can feel my toes. I can feel all the aches and pains. And they kind of like dissolve yeah. away in the water. I was going to suggest that swimming is like great. I, I know I don't really ride a bike once in a while, but I love it for the knees. It helps so much with the knees strengthening. Um, Swimming, I did... I never swam laps in my whole life yeah. until this last winter when I was started doing rehab. And I could, um, because you could go and put a buoy between your knees and not kick and just swim with your arms. And uh, you could do that for like 30 minutes or something. And you felt like you had done some work. Like there was something, you know, in your core that was getting hopefully that was improving or your shoulders or your arms or whatever. And you were doing some work. Um, but again, like I didn't want to, I don't want to be a swimmer. I don't, I'm, I don't necessarily enjoy going to the gym or swimming, like, but it's a means to an end. So I'm down to kind of put in the time. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm a hairy guy, Kevin. So going to the, <laughs> going to the pool is always like, Oh God, I'm the hairy guy. You don't want to, you don't want to scare the kids. Yeah, kids are like looking at me like I'm Sasquatch. <laughs> like, what's wrong with that guy? He's, he's got so much hair. Yeah, I grew up with so much like insecurity and worry that like even just doing simple things like going to the gym or like it, just seeing people naked in public is weird. Like, cause I go in and I get naked in front of people is weird. It trips me out, but I do it and I've gotten a little more comfortable, but yeah. not. Not really. <laughs> a, it, I think it's good to be to stay freaked out, like whatever you're freaked out about. Like yeah. there should be something in your own life that continues to freak you out. Yeah, getting high and going to the gym is that for me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I do too. This might make me seem like a crazy person, but I'll get really high, go to my gym, and then I'll shave my my head and my face. And something about that ritual, and I just have a buzzer. I have no clippers, just a buzzer. And just, like, doing that, and people are walking by me and stuff, something about seeing my face, the the hair come off of the transformation, and, like, it's super weird. And then being around people doing that, it feels intimate, kind of, like, I don't know. Like, so, you're, you know what uh, would freak me out? Um, and it's kind of on that level. I have a real hard time standing up in front of more than two people and speaking. <laughs> and uh, I always have... Um, it's always freaked me out. And, uh, you know, in the last decade or so, I've had chances where, um, or opportunities where I had to stand up and in front of people and it always freaks me out and I'm always happy after I've done it. But, um, I think that's, you could kind of get that same feeling from, uh, doing stand up or something or, or being on stage, like, and freak yourself out on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how you that's how you keep flexible and you can keep growing because you kind of yeah. shatter like what your normal is if you keep testing that, yourself. That'd be a really 
that'd be a good test for me. I don't know that it would be good for anyone who had to sit there and listen to me go through it, but <laughs> I might get something out of it. Westgate. Get over that hump. I was I was hanging out with Westgate the uh, like a couple weeks back, maybe two weeks ago, and we were talking about this time we were in China, and uh, no one could hear what we were saying. So we just we were walking through the hotel lobby, and there's a bunch of people in chairs and whatnot, and there was a piano with a microphone. And I was like, Brandon, let's just do this, man. Like, they don't know what we're saying. Like, we can just be – and uh, he wouldn't do it, but I did it. I got up, and I was, like, playing the piano. I don't know how to play the piano. And then I was just, like, talking into the mic, singing a song, and none of them <laughs> knew English. So, And I was, like, in a foreign country I had never been. And Brandon brought that back up. He's like, dude, remember when you did that? How crazy. <laughs> I was like, I had to seize the moment, dude. That was, like, my chance. <laughs> I think it's good to, to do that. It's good to freak yourself out every once in a while. Yeah, 100%. That's how you grow. I think when people get too comfortable and too stuck in routine, that's not good for us. We're meant to like keep growing, even even as our body decays, like our minds are. Um, we can expand in different regions, you know, and that's what makes you feel alive. I imagine, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, okay, so worst injury. I'm glad you overcame those. I deal with knee injuries. I tore my ACL as well, and there's no fun, dude. It's the worst. Um, I would never wish that on anybody. The mental part of it is really kind of rough. And, yeah. Um, uh, if it happened again um, tomorrow, I'm sure I could deal with it, but I don't want to. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I feel like I've, I feel like I've experienced it twice. <laughs> okay, I, let me go through my list so I make sure we get all the stuff. Okay. All right, we already covered that. Some of the stuff we just covered naturally, which is always pretty cool. Um, okay, we did that. I wanted to ask you what music you were into back in the day and what mm. are you into nowadays? Um, you know, my favorite band is the Minutemen. The Minutemen? Yeah. Is what, and, kind, of, what uh, kind of music? It's punk rock, but it was, it was, it was, even for punk rock, back, American punk rock back then, so, you know, right around 1980 like it was weird for punk rock it was these it's these three three dudes from san pedro and um they just tried to figure out how to be in a band the drummer was a really good drummer already and was in some other bands um bass player became super tight friends and uh they just tried to make all this music, but they were into jazz and they were into like Blue Oyster Cult and Credence Clearwater Revival. And then they were also into the punk rock scene was huge then. But then, you know, they sang about political stuff and they sang about weird social interactions they had. And it was like super sort of freeform weirdness and a little funky, too. And that's um, your favorite band now? That's my favorite band of all time. Sick. Uh, they're the best. Um, uh, and they eventually, uh, the the guitar player um, was in a car accident and died. And then they eventually, the other two dudes, the bass player and the drummer started a band called Firehose. And uh, then they continued that in sort of that tradition um, for a, a bunch of years. and But... If you look at all those old skateboard videos, like especially the old sort of Santa Cruz videos, videos that came out of that umbrella, 
Um, there's a lot of music from the Minutemen and Firehose on all those albums. Oh, I mean, on all those in all those videos. So that was cool that it kind of. I was into that music before skateboarding. Before I was into skateboarding, it was cool to like that those things eventually came together. Yeah, they like merged. Lately, though, like I've been listening to a lot of like I don't know, sixties and seventies soul and R and B. Like who? Um, like who? You got a couple that you can name? Like. There's the Crusaders. Have you heard of the Crusaders? Nope, I'm writing it down. They're great. Um, there's uh, who else did I tell you about? I mean, there's there's this jazz guitar player named named George Benson, and most of his stuff doesn't appeal to me. But like, it was in that. Uh, that storm of like funk and disco where all that was coming together. So there's like, you'll listen to stuff and you'll be like, this is driving me crazy. And then there'll be the best 30 seconds you've ever heard in your life. And like, so I like that surprise of that stuff. And then, but honestly, it's the stuff I'm into now. I'm a little, I'm a little behind the times. Like the stuff I'm into now is because of all the hip hop and stuff from the late eighties and to the mid nineties and all the samples that they used. So uh, all the little things you hear on like De La Soul albums and, and tribe albums and like, um, like who else? I love just when, album. just like when, when, when BC boys albums, like when the, when sampling was king, and it was a free for all and it was the at its most creative like i'm just now hearing that music in its full form like i'll listen to something i'll be like there's a, this guy named idris muhammad like i'd never heard of him for real until like five years ago and like i'm listening to all this stuff and i'm like i know all this music already because i listened to these hip-hop dudes sampling it for 10 years 15 years you know like and it's amazing. It's some, and it was probably their parents' record collection. So there's yeah. this whole sort of archaeological, there's this archaeological aspect to it that's really appealing to me. And the music's just amazing. Yeah, that's why that's why I ask because I love when someone tells me something and then I have I have like a a whole career I've never even heard about a whole catalog of music that I can just go and like indulge in. It's rad when you find stuff like that. There's this dude who I swear to God I'd never heard of um, until the last year. And his name is Lobby Sifre. <laughs> Sick. And he's got this album and it has it has like eight amazing songs. And so back then, like lots of times you'd every once in a while, there'd be a really good album that you could listen to everything on. But most of the time, like there'd be you know, two or three amazing songs, then kind of a bunch of filler. This thing, it's his album is just insane. It's like every single song is completely original, completely like you can listen to it on its own. It wouldn't sound like the next song. Yeah. Um, and then you start listening to it and you're like, oh, I've I heard that in a uh, in an Eminem song. I heard that in a Dr. Dre song. I heard that. And it's all these like mystery samples like. It's Whoa, cool. That's so cool. But I, what's crazy is that 
all those dudes that were producing that music and from 89 to 95 or whatever, like they, that they were well-versed in that. They heard all that music like decades ago and were probably super into it way back then. So it's, that's what I was saying. I feel like I'm a little late to the party, but it's awesome. That's good though. Cause then you don't, you don't, have to deal with like the assholes like, you know when it was like big there's those assholes that are like it's the best thing yeah. ever Let's do great. Yeah. Like, i don't even want to like it i don't even want to fucking like it's, it <laughs> it's a little bit like um when the tv show comes out now and they put all 15 episodes online and you just can that's how it is like you, you're like i'm catching up yeah. i'm able to listen to like these 10 albums this is the best and then like uh it's a little different with music because you listen to it over and over again but like it's cool. Sometimes you feel like um, there's always going to be great music to listen to. You yeah. just got to like wait until the next thing like comes into your life. Yeah, and it'll hit it. It'll hit at the right time, and you'll be like, "Oh, this is what I needed." They're great, though. Um, you know, talking about podcasts. Um, Mark Marin has. The, you listen to Mark Marin's podcast? Yeah, he's awesome. He, he has a great interview with the bass player. From the Minutemen, Mike Watt. Really, I gotta, I gotta look it up now, dude. It's unreal. It's it's a great interview. You'll really dig it. And he kind of tells the whole history. And Mark Maron's a huge fan. You can tell. So he's like kind of fanning out at the same time. He's sparking Watt, and Watt is sparking him. It's a really good one. Yeah, You'll that's awesome. It. That that one. Those are the type of podcasts I like too, because I don't know anything about the history of the music. So. Mark Maron's technically going to share that with me, you know, oh, through his yeah. podcast, and then I could get hyped. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good one. Um, okay, we're going to move along a little bit here. Music now. Are there any websites that you um, visit daily? Like, what if you had to, like, obviously you got your email. Do you have, like, a list of websites you go to? I do. It's, um, it's crazy that you said that. I started keeping track of stuff, you know, years ago because um, – just so you're not searching and searching and keeping track of stuff through uh, RSS feeds. I don't think people do that too much anymore. But Unless they're listening to a podcast because of right. the RSS feed, yeah. So uh, it's kind of taken on a different role, but I still pay attention to like five or six websites. One is called um, Bring a Trailer. That's sick. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, the the backstory I heard I don't know how much of it how accurate it is is the dude who runs it was a is a car buyer like he buys used cars all over the country goes to auto auctions and is kind of always keeping his eye out for cars nice. I don't know if it was his business or someone he worked for um, and then through doing that you know seeing thousands and thousands of cars a day you see like ten that are just amazing and they have an eBay listing or they're on Craigslist or wherever. And so he would put those things on a website. So every day there's like 10 or 12 cars that are rare or cool or just junk, but they're, they have some redeeming value. And so that's been really cool. Um, I, I look at that almost every day and he, that's developed now developed into having auctions and all this stuff, but that, that's a really cool site. Um, new cars, old cars, mostly old cars, but not even like classics, sometimes just like somehow this, you know, 79 Chevette made it all the way through its life with only having a thousand miles on it. And look what this thing looks like, you know, it's just like 
the floor mats are perfect, like <laughs> stuff like that. So it's that's really cool. There's a there's a um, a, a guy who used to be a professional cyclist and he, I think he still does race pro every once in a while, but he's in his mid to late fifties. Now he's been a world champion at a bunch of different, um, disciplines at cyclocross and at mountain biking. And he raced road like all over the world when he was in his twenties internationally. And he lives in a town near us named, uh, well, I think, let's see. I think he's from Topeka. Topeka, Kansas, and uh, but he has a blog that he writes something every single day. So I go read his stuff, and he'll it's real insider and and real common sense and real funny, really good storyteller. But he just kind of comments on pro cycling and what he sees happening, or what he is critical of, or the people, or he just talks about the people he rides with, or he talks about going to a race in Colorado or whatever. So. But he's a really good storyteller. That's awesome. Steve Tilford is his name. Sick. And what was the what was the site? I think it's just under his name. It just is stevetilford.com. Sick. Um Do you before you go forward, do you have um do you have you ever had the dream car you wanted? No uh no. You know, and it's weird. My my tastes are not super fancy like um I've wanted to get like a n- nice old pickup for a long time. That's never come into my life. What are we talking? What are we talking? Like a late seventies, like Ford or something, an F one fifty, just something classic. That, yeah, but it's kind of a workhorse at the same time. Yeah. Um, we have a minivan that is amazing. It's a it's a Toyota minivan, Sienna, I think it's called. Nice. And it's awesome. I, it's like that camping vehicle, skate trip vehicle. They have one of those that's four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive or something. That'd be nice. But, um, yeah, no, um, not, I, don't, I don't think I have a dream car, though. What do you drive? Well, I only ask because I'm not really into cars that much. Like, I never really – I see cars, and I'm like – I see some that look good. I'm like, those are awesome. And I know people that are very passionate about cars, and I, their enthusiasm gets me hyped. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But, like, I've <laughs> never really been, like, a dream car dude. I'm just like, I need a car. I need it to work and look decent. So I've only had, like, three cars. I had, like, an LHS Chrysler. I had the leather butters. It was nice. Right. <laughs> yes. The windows didn't work, so I would be in the summer in August. It would be so humid, and it would be leather, and I'd be sweating my balls off. And everyone who got my car would be so bummed out. And I was like, I wanted to tell you, man. It's my ride. <laughs> um, now I got like a Hyundai. It's just like a little hatchback. Um, bought that brand new. All the cars I've ever owned, I've bought with cash too. Straight oh, up. that's cool. Yeah. And I bought that's that. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. I didn't really want a loan or anything or like, I don't know. I just, that shit scares me. Um, I know what you mean. You can kind of get under get underwater a little bit. Yeah, I've seen that happen. I mean, I have a mortgage and stuff now, so, like, you know, I deal with that. But, like, I don't know. So I just have a car, and it works, and it's, you know. But as I'm getting older, I start to look at cars, and I'm like, it'd be nice to have, like, the luxuries, you know. Like, my car is nice. It's got AC. The windows roll down. It's, like, it's a it's a tool. Starts every day. Yeah, it's a tool. It gets me from A to B. It's great on gas. I love that. But it'd be nice to have some luxuries in the car if that 
So I can see why people would want to like customize something. But um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, that that leads me to driving, where I'm just like I've been saying lately. I'm like I just want the, the fucking computers to take over the driving because they're better at math. Calculators are better at math than me. Yeah. Driving could be mathematical, like just take over. I could be on my fucking phone or like <laughs> doing something else. <laughs> I've talked to when for years, like since we we used to sneak away and go to other cities for to skate ramps or to go to contests, you know, straight out of high school. We we always would wish for like that sort of science fiction fantasy of the tractor beam where you could somehow hook your car onto the car in front of you that you might not necessarily know and like let them drive and you could just sit back and you didn't have to steer or pay attention or whatever you could just sort of be in a train car almost yeah that'd be sick but now it seems like that's reality like that's gonna happen like you're gonna be able to just get in the car and google's gonna take you somewhere yeah i'm excited for it I'm, Thanks, serial drive us. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm saying just do it. I like, but I feel bad for the people that want control and like love the muscle cars and like the tactile feel of driving. Like, oh, yeah. I've had those moments where I was driving and I felt the steering. It's powerful. I could get it. The roar of an engine and all that stuff. Oh sure. I skateboard. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> They're probably looking at me like, why the fuck do you skateboard? Like, you should be on a scooter. There's a handle. It's safer. Like, just get on <laughs> that thing. You could jump right away. You don't have to learn the ollie. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> kind of down a little bit. <laughs> um, okay. Moving forward. Did you have any other websites? I, I kind of cut you off there. No. Uh, I mean, and there's, a, there's, you know, there's all the skateboard websites, of course. Like. Um, and it's funny, like my habits have changed a little bit, like the, the, the portal to all those things now is other social media. So lots of times I'll, I won't, I won't have checked like the Thrasher site for a few days and then something will be on like, Hey, there's a new part like this morning. Well, yesterday there was that new anti-hero video. Shit was dope. It's awesome. And, but I didn't go to Thrasher to find it. I was like turned on to it by their Facebook page or by someone else's like, um, Instagram account or whatever. So, um, it's cool to, it's cool to watch those things and have them work as like semaphores or alarm clocks or whatever. But, um, I still try and, uh, wherever this, the, the new video parts are and wherever they end up, I try and watch them. Um, but mostly it's, it seems like it's like the Thrasher site, um, the Barracks, um, the Transworld site, like, you know, the, the, the normal outlets. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I watch, I go to all of them. I just obsess, but I don't, you know what I do is I like binge go to it. So I won't go to it for so long mm-hmm. and, I'll and wait. it's waiting for you. Yeah. Like, and I consume it all like it's like I'm a feast like and then like then I because I think there's like got to be a balance between like creating and consuming content you know yeah. I don't know I feel like I people that watch way too much <laughs> and I'm like yeah, yeah I, I, live in it I too. don't try too much I I, uh, I try not to be super deliberate about 
consuming and I try not to stay caught up. Yeah. So that, you know, I'm not, you'd be just sitting at the computer there all day, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's something crazy about that though. Consumerism, it leads to progress. I was like paying attention to that a lot lately. Like people consume and then that innovation comes from that and then people like it gives, I don't know, trips me out. <laughs> side, side note. Side note. Um, okay. Music then and now. Um, and what about, you have a blog though, The Good Problem, right? Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Um, it's been, so there's been a form of it or another for a long time, probably like 10 years, but like in the last maybe year and a half, been uh, just trying to stay regular with putting stuff up there on a weekly basis and, and right. then kind of linking it up for people from the other social media. So from Instagram and Facebook, but it's mostly just writing and, uh, um, sometimes like event coverage or something from a trip or some other work that I did for somebody else that got published, but mostly it's just essays and, and then, uh, borrowed photos per by permission, uh, from friends and stuff to kind of accompany it. Sick. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I really like doing it. Um, and like you were saying, uh, lots of positive feedback. It's cool. So maybe I'm a little, getting a little hungry for that. I still have a hunger for that feedback, but it's, it's been cool and inspiring and it's connected me with a lot of people. And I think that's all, you know, you're doing that for anyway. Yeah. I love, I dude, that's awesome. I love when people contribute because, you know, like I said, there's gotta be a balance between consuming and creating. And if you create, you're contributing to the collective. And I love expressions and flavors. And it's cool that you chose to do that and have a blog spot. And like you put, do you, do you have like a schedule? Like do you update it on a schedule or is it just when something comes up? I try and do it, um, at the beginning of the beginning of the week. So on Tuesday or Wednesday and try nice. and put something up there and run it through the end of the week and then let it live over the weekend. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's like a big key in anything. Like if you're going to pursue something, like you've got to have a schedule. You've got to have like some like standard that you're like, one, if it's once a month, that's fine. It's once a month. Sure. But you got to know when you're going to do it, you know, or at least once a week's awesome. Yeah, it helps. Uh, it helps make it happen. Like if any more often, I think um, you'd have to be putting some real time into it. Any less and you'd kind of, you'd lose the spark and I think people wouldn't, wouldn't really pay attention. So not that a ton of people pay attention to it anyway, but like, I feel like it's a active connection, um, uh, be between a group of people. And, uh, um, you know, I get a little bit out of it and maybe someone else does too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's not. It's not a bad thing. I know you went to a Catholic school. It's not a bad thing to want, to want to get praised and accept it. Like, thank you. I appreciate no. that. No, I'll take it. I like compliments, man. <laughs> Except my all my compliments, Kevin, are from like forty year old women at the grocery store, and they're like, "You know what you look like?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I know who I look like. I know I you." Do. Like, she's like, "Yeah, but I think he's handsome." I'm like, "Thank you, but I'm not forty something yet, and I know yeah. I look like this famous actor." I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a blessing and a curse. It follows me around, dude. And you know, 
I know it's true because, like I said, complete strangers feel the need to come up to me and go, you look just like Nicolas Cage. And it's called- weird when someone tells you you look like somebody else. You're like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> I just say face off, bitch. Face off. Thank you. Face off. <laughs> okay, sick. I, I was checking out your blog anyways. And on a serious note, it's awesome. I was, I was lurking it last yeah. night. Thanks. I love all the content. I love reading. And like, I don't get to read as much. So like, when someone tells me to check something out, I'll read it. You know, like, um, so damn busy these days. It's insane, in a good way, but just insane. It's nice to be able to read sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think it's on a comeback too. I don't think people. I think there's been a lull in people's uh, willingness or, or uh, like desire to read things. Everything's been sort of abbreviated and shortened, so it's uh, uh, the stuff I put up there is also really, really short. Yeah. But it seems like you know people in inside my bubble are reading more. Um, I don't know why that is, but maybe there's better I, writing now. Maybe people are writing better because they're putting. I think I think a lot of it is like you know when I was talking about like discovering super old music for the first time. I think there's an unlimited supply of, of writing too, of amazing writing. Yeah. So it's all just waiting there. Um, and it seems like a lot of people are sort of discovering it or, or rediscovering stuff that maybe they read in the past. I don't know. I, like I said, I, I sort of tried to qualify it. I don't know if that's just in my bubble or, or that's a, a more of a international thing, but it seems like the people I know and the people I'm interacting with, like, are reading more, like within the last couple of years. So, yeah, that's awesome. Weird. <laughs> it's good though. Everything's digital. Good writing doesn't have to be on print. It could be digital. The writing, yeah. the writing is what's the skill. You gotta play with the language and the words and create. And like, there's so many good, talented writers out there. It's crazy. Is it? Did you get into writing from from school, or was that something you're already into? I got into it because of skating. Like, sick. I, yeah, I, I, uh, I did really like reading skateboard magazines and the stories that they would tell in there. Like Mofo for sure, and um, he was like the first guy I remember reading stuff regularly and being like, "This guy's kind of rad." Like, he's telling cool stories, and then finding out which um, authors he was into. Like later was like, oh, that's crazy. Like I never heard of that. Or, oh, I actually, I was reading that same stuff. So it was cool to see those parallels. And then like, I think probably the only um, author that I was uh, really, that I read um, in school that I got really into. It was was the Bible, Jesus Christ. It was, (laughs) no, it wasn't. It was Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, sick. And I read his stuff in junior high and uh, and then didn't read his stuff again until I was like, you know, my mid-20s. And I was like, oh, this is great stuff. Like, it's incredible. Um, but again, like, I saw, I don't know if I thought it was great because I saw commonalities or if I, I felt like some of the stuff he was saying was sort of in my head too. But I really dug his stuff a lot and... Um, but that's just one little avenue of 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 uh, literature. It seems like there's just millions and millions of things yeah. out there. 
Um, it's it's interesting to see. I, I don't know if there's ever been, it seems like, you know, we talked about the printing press before, and I, it seems like ever since the, in, the invention of uh, easily accessible print, um, that reading was reading and writing were always sort of on the upswing. And I, I feel like maybe only recently, like within the last few decades has the trend been to read less, which yeah. is kind of a sad commentary, but maybe it's, I do feel a little bit of a comeback. Well, maybe, maybe it's just cause we're, we had to transition. So the new technology, it's easier to like, um, just watch it or hear mm-hmm. it. And people didn't realize they're too focused on print dying <laughs> that they didn't realize like, hey, the writing is what's the quality. So like it's like having free paper, basically, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, OK, so it probably takes that transition, I imagine, because uh, writers are I imagine they're very passionate about writing and probably the tactile feel of a pencil or a pen or like the routine and the paper. I could imagine I could I could find myself going down that rabbit hole easily like falling i want do you ever write anything out now or is it all digital um i write like i take lots of notes and and stuff with a with a pencil and paper and uh and then i i type a lot on the computer nice i was i don't I, i don't ever write anything out that's longer than a couple paragraphs it's if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do something that long i'm typing yeah like on a typewriter or a laptop a lap a laptop have you ever used a typewriter? <laughs> yeah, when I when I was in high school, they there were there were keyboarding classes and, and they taught you how to type. Nice. And uh, um, it was super boring and weird, and that seemed to be like a dying sort of um, practice until word processing came out. So until the computer became a tool to make writing and typing easier. Yeah. And now everyone, the kids grow up knowing how to type. Like they can type in first grade. They know how to run a keyboard and how to get their words out. So, um, but I, yeah, I, I never, I've never owned a typewriter, but I used them in high school. But then pretty soon afterwards, like, um, there were computers everywhere. So you could just type on those way easier. Yeah. I, I liked, um, computer class or typing class because, I took pride in that I was good at typing. I knew the home row keys and I could do it so fast. And like, um, you know, who was in, I had to take an extra class cause I almost didn't graduate high school. Um, just cause I was off to the races, like being sponsored and doing trips. And like, yeah. I was just, I wasn't, school was not even a thought really, but, um, they told me basically if I wanted to graduate from high school, I had to take a, a class during the summer to get the time or whatever. And I was like, I'll take typing class. They're like, okay, perfect. Um, cause I knew I could do that easy and I enjoyed it. And then, um, you know, who was in my class though, was Brandon Westgate's dad. He was taking typing class. He was like, learning no how to, yeah, he was like monkey fingering it though. Like one at a time, like, doof, doof, doof. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he was like older dude in this typing class. And then later on, once I knew Westgate, I was like, dude, I was in a typing class with your father. <laughs> That's insane. He was like the older guy that like everyone would kind of clown on, but he was like learning how to type. I'm sick. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like um, that keyboard is how so many people communicate now. Yeah. You know, whether it's like a mini one on their phone or like the one on their computer. Um, it's it's interesting to see like 
how things how uh how things go up and down that way how like really not that many people typed it was an office skill yeah yeah that's trippy to think the perspective to think about that isn't really crazy and then that becomes the the norm everyone does it yeah if that's you awesome imagine if you couldn't do that nowadays would you would it make your life that much harder like you couldn't use your phone couldn't there'd be a lot of things yeah it, it, it'd make it difficult to communicate <laughs> for sure i'd have to send you a letter with an owl with a, a pigeon like, tied to its leg or something <laughs> Um, okay, we're, dude, we're just covering stuff that I I had on here. Right. Um, oh, dude, we I, I I hope you don't mind. I got like two more questions. I don't want to hold you up too long. That's good. I I can I can handle it. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, because I have more on the list. Um, worst job? You ever have a job that just sucked? Um, yeah, it's funny. Kian, my youngest son, is 13, and he detasseled corn for the first time this summer. Do you know what that is? Yeah, well, I mean, you, like, shuck it, right? No. Um, it's, so, when they plant corn, they plant it in a pattern. And it's, it'll be, by rows, they'll go, like, one, three, or two, four, and, uh, it's to cross pollinate to make it a, a a better plant, a stronger plant, or to have a higher yield, like nice. to produce more corn. And um, but you don't want those um, you don't want those plants to to um, pollinate themselves. So when the corn is mature enough, you go and take the tassel off the top of it and break it off. And that's the tassel opposite. has all the pollen in it, and the pollen falls down uh, on the corn that's below it on the same plant, and it um, it reproduces asexually by itself. The male and the female are together in one plant. Damn. And what what you're trying to do is get the plant to be pollinated by the other plant. So they'll go through the rows and take the tassels off the two that are similar type and let the other three pollinate those. Anyway, it's are they, a, it's, are they trying to start, are they trying to stop uh, inbreeding? Is that what you have to say? I think they're, no, they're, they're trying to create uh, a crop with a higher yield. Okay. So it, it's like a pollination control uh, effort. And um, in the Midwest and wherever there's corn grown, that's what, uh, that job's available to you as like someone from the age of 13 to 20. And, uh, you go, you wake up at four in the morning and catch the school bus at five and they drive you out to some field out in the middle of nowhere and set you loose. And you're out there for eight hours in the sun and it's really gnarly. And then you come back home and you sleep until the next day and then you go get up and do it again. And it's like that summer job. Okay. And, uh, he just got done doing it for like two weeks and was exhausted, made a bunch of money. But um, I remember doing it. I did it for a couple of days uh, when I was in junior high or high school. And that was the shittiest job I've ever had. <laughs> it was terrible. It's was super it just hard. Hot? Yeah, it's, it's super hot. It's a super hard job. You get really um, tired. 
and it's not there's no fun to it at all like it fucking sucks <laughs> but uh yeah that's probably been that was my worst job and i didn't uh i'd kind of forgotten about it a little bit until he was doing it and hearing him kind of talk about it and have a complaint or two i was like oh, i remember this stuff it's all coming back to me now Does it help with, like, just teaching you how to have structure and, like, get up and have a job and, like... A little bit, but I think he was really excited more about, like, the money. So he was, like, he has really no other way. He's 13, so he has really no other way to make minimum wage. And they're almost making minimum wage for those weeks that they do it. um, He'll be set up, like, for a month or two of just, you know, goofing around with his friends. Like, he'll have enough dough to to do it and we didn't give it to him like he earned it so uh i think he's he's pretty hyped on that hell yeah freezer pops are on him then yeah sure. that's right <laughs> he's buying yeah that seems kind of like a, a dull job if i could have my phone and listen to ipods or music it would get a little better they do that um and then between the the field so they'll work a field for a couple hours get on the bus take a break go to another field like um right about the time he started it is when that pokemon game came out <laughs> fuck you <laughs> and so they were playing it on the bus all the time and everybody like if the bus had 25 people on it, they're all playing it and like they'd be in the middle of some field out in the country like 30 miles away from here and there were pokemon out there dude <laughs> <laughs> the, dude the hype was real even on the east coast i was like out skating in the city and there's people Pokemon and everywhere and I'm like I'm like where what are you are guys they doing? Yeah, I was like, Where have you been? I've been out here this whole time for years and you guys have never been out here. Like they're looking at me like I was a Pokemon, like a skateboard Pokemon. They had never Get seen them. it. Skating a curb. I'm like, Yeah, we've been out here hanging out. It gave people a reason to go out and hang outside. I was like, What are you I doing? Know. I I do like that aspect of it. It's cool. I've seen people in groups in weird places in my town nice. that I've never seen them before. Yeah. But that so that happened about I think they killed some time with that and uh they had headphones and they brought snacks and I mean they were never out there for like 15 hours or anything. It was always just like, you know, 6 or 7 hours, but um yeah. I think I think he got, even other than money, I think he even got a little bit of something else out of it. So Nice. That's good. But, that's 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 like common practice. Like, I'm glad they pay him, like child labor. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just get out there and do it. Um, no, they, they pay him pretty good, and I think that's why they're hyped on it. Like, I remember growing up, like, kids buying bikes and kids buying skateboards and stuff. It's like, wow, where'd you get the money for that? It's like, oh, I was detasseling. It's like, oh, that sounds amazing. But then when I did it, I, I realized it sucked ass. Yeah. You know what I, my hustle was? My sister, she worked in um, Provincetown, P-Town, which is on the okay. very, very tip of Cape Cod. You ever heard of it? Yeah, I have heard of it. Oh, yeah. It's like predominantly gay, like community. And uh-huh. uh, my sister would work there at a Portuguese bakery and she, it was like, it's kind of like a touristy spot, I guess. Cause there's like, there's, I've, I've been there and I've seen like dudes, like assless chaps and like, <laughs> like people like, you know what I mean? It's like, just people know it's kind of touristy. A lot of things going on. There's like a lot of flamboyance and, but not all of it, but definitely it has that. And, uh, I used to go there cause my sister would work there and she would save all her change cause all the tourists and the energy there and the people like 
So she'd save her change for like the month and I'd go up there and she'd give it to me in those big water jugs, those big plastic water jugs. And yeah. I would take that home and be like a hundred bucks. So like, and I was like, damn, as a skateboard, working towards shoes, you know what I mean? Like, right. That was my detasseling, but a little different. <laughs> Visiting your sister? Yeah, I had to just charge up there and check it out. I was a little kid. It was like pretty entertaining for me, you know. Like I'm like, oh my god, what's going on? This is insane. <laughs> okay, moving forward. <laughs> Day jobs off the list. I really only have one more question for you, to be honest. Okay. I I read somewhere about you you seeing Heath Kirchart skate the mega ramp, and I just wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> oh yeah, that was bad. Like, I didn't even really know. I knew he was filming. Like, that was um, all white clothes, Heath. Yes, I love that. And I do, too. And uh, I knew he was filming this part. And then I was out, um, like, in North County for work. And someone was like, yeah, let's... Swift was like, hey, Heath's going to skate the mega ramp. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, he wants to, he's on, he's done with his video part and he wants to get something at the mega ramp for his video part. And I was like, okay, like, strange. do I believe this? Like, he skates mostly handrails. <laughs> so we went out there, he came by and we're, he was like, hey, let's go do this. And we drove out to Bob's and um, it was hotter than shit. I don't think he was really prepared for it. None of us were like when you're when you're there like you can do the thing, right? You can I mean it's one thing to drop in and go over this thing like and hit the landing and not die and then hit that huge quarter pipe after it. Jesus. Um but like after you do it, you had to walk up this fucking hill. <laughs> that's like I don't know. It's probably 300 yards long and it's, it's steep and it's hot out there and there's no shade. And I think normally dudes are getting like trucked up and down the hill on like a four wheeler or a golf cart or something, but we didn't have any of that lined up. So, um, Heath was just out there doing it. What the fuck? <laughs> and he did it for hours. And good uh, thing he had white on. Because it's hot as a motherfucker. Imagine if it was all black Heath. Oh, God, he'd pass out. Yeah. So <laughs> he... Well, so I'm trying to think. He just got destroyed, like, the first day. Not just from, like, slamming um, and all that stuff, but from the walk back up the hill. What was he trying? Was it the well, three... He, he tried to do... At first, he was, like, just trying to go over the thing, right? Like, okay, I'm going to go over this. Yeah, good start, good start. And then knee slide out of it, and like, okay, I know I can do it. And then, like, he tried to maybe grab just sort of straight air off of it, like backside grab. And then he was like, this is stupid. I'm just going to start doing 360s. Like, if I land a straight air, who cares? Like, if I land a backside air over this thing, it doesn't matter. Like, what's the point? So he just started trying 360s. Not really. And... He does them cool. Like, everyone that does stuff off that stuff kind of, they kind of corkscrew it or they spin in a weird, like, rodeo way, you know? Yeah. And Heath just does it like he's 360 and 
down a 15 stair. Yeah, he's like a street skater. Tr- <laughs> he spins it flat. <laughs> and when he and when he grabbed, he would he wouldn't grab like next to his foot or like between his two feet. He'd grab the nose. Yeah, sick. Just the best style ever. And you're just like, this is kick ass. I love watching this. But he got broken off and Did he have pads on? He had knee pads. Good. Um and uh a helmet and elbow pads, like all the normal stuff. He had a mega rant board set up, so a big board with big trucks. Was it eight five or above, I'm assuming? Yeah, it was it was a um it was at least eight and a half. I think it was I can't remember. But he had two fifteens, like the widest trucks and um and he was doing it and then it just didn't go down. So everyone's disappointed, like, oh okay, well <laughs> and then Heath, like, fucking Heath dragged us out here. <laughs> and then like we think it's done. And then two days later, like, there's another phone call like, Hey, Heath's gonna try this thing again. Yes. You guys wanna come out here and help? And so that time when we went out, he got a hold of Bob and uh Bob drove the truck or Bob. No, Bob's friend drove the truck. So Bob was there, but then he also had a friend who was, who drove the four wheeler up and down the hill. And that just made it like so much easier. He could just try do way more tries and he wouldn't be tired. Like he'd do a try. And uh, then like 30 seconds later, he could be at the top of the drop in ready to go again. And um, he was getting really close, really close. Um, I was standing on the kind of the deck with Manzuri and using his spare camera and we were shooting it twice. Swift was like in the trees, in the bushes, like shooting it long lens, like sequence style. Yes. And, um, I can't remember exactly how it went down, but like he was putting him down and it was just like, holy shit, holy shit. Like, and every time he would land, he would eat shit. And then he'd land and kind of fly one out. And he's like, landed once really hard and like went straight to his shoulder. Jesus. And uh, it's like a weird slam there. It doesn't, when you're looking at it from far away, it doesn't look like people are falling hard. But it's like that NASCAR deal where those dudes run into the wall (laughs) and they die. It's such a violent slam because you're going like 90 miles an hour. Plus, he's a street skater. He, it's like those other dudes have been skating transition. Like, I mean, Keith can skate transition, but he, yeah. I, he he's not skating a vert ramp or anything that I can tell. No, <laughs> and he'd never he'd never skated that thing before. Yeah, like this was his second day there, and he's but he slams. He goes really hard to his collarbone and fucking slams and is laying there and yelling and like, oh my god, you can tell he's like a little shocky, like a little not feeling very good. Like, it's fucking hot out. And then he's sort of laying there, licking his wounds, and then he just gets up, and and you could just see it kind of like it's like okay, let's go, real monotone. Like gets in the thing, and they take him to the top, and he knew he's gonna make the next one, and uh, he totally did. It was super clean, like, and then uh, everyone's losing their mind, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so stoked! Everyone's really happy, and then like he's like, I think I broke my collarbone oh shit so he went they went straight to the hospital and like the attempt before he made it he slammed straight on his 
on his collarbone and broke it. So the one, wow. the one that he landed, he was like doing it with a broken collarbone. That's why he was like slammer make. He's like, this is, I think this is this broken. Is yeah. yeah, he's like total focus, and he does some of the gnarliest shit, so he knows that moment well, I'm sure. Yeah, it was cool to witness. Um, That's insane. That's fucking insane. That just makes it even more gnarlier. It's pretty big time. Like, um, I've I've seen a lot of stuff, and um, I've heard stories about you know. Other people seeing crazy shit go down at like El Toro or at like Carlsbad or, you know, whatever these meccas are. And, um, I felt like I, that's what I got to see something there that was pretty epic, kind of on that level, like all time. And it has such a rad, like Heath story behind it too. You're just like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's iconic and classic for sure. Especially to me. <laughs> I'm such a fan, dude. Of I mean, if Heath, you're, you're a Heath fan, dude. How could you not be? Yeah. And, and I think he's a bit of an asshole. I don't even know him, but I just have a feeling he's a bit of an asshole, or or he was at one point. And I could be completely wrong, but that makes me like him that much more. I'm not afraid he, to admit that. No, he's cool. I think. Um, I think the best thing he's ever done was how he, um, how he stopped being a pro. Like he was like, "Hey, I'm done." Yeah, I admire that for sure. I'm going to do something else. Like um, that, I mean, that to me, you know, I talked I talked to you about this before, about people hanging on for dear life. Like, he just let it go. Like, yeah, I'm done. And I think it took a lot of people um, by surprise. Um, but I think I think he, he might be one of the smartest dudes out there. I think he knew, like, what that he had he had done what he needed to do he he'd uh he'd taken care of business and he was like ready to try something else yeah yeah that's, i could see that that's one of the gnarliest things ever in skateboarding it's so hard for these fucking for us for these for us being like peter pan dudes like letting that go like letting that thing like become like just being okay i let go i'm not gonna try and do this thing all the time and it would it would change um everything for you it would change your identity it would change how you dealt with the rest of the world um i i have a lot of respect for the way he handled that biz for sure yeah, that's amazing. And if I had his video, like, I wonder, because, like, I'm 33, dude, and I'm still filming. I have another video part coming out. I've been working really, really fucking hard on it. Like, I want it to be my best part. And, it's uh, fun, right? It's fun doing that. You're yeah, like, dude, it's addicting. It's like progression, you know? Like, but um, if I had his part with white satins, like, the, <laughs> if I had his that part, like, I might be able to, like, I, I'm still searching for something like that, you know? Like, who isn't? You know what I mean? And, like, he, that, I think that's why he's one of the favorites for mine is because that part and I mean obviously all the other footage and stuff like that but that oh, part yeah. that part was like perfect it was like it, he it's got great. yeah exactly <laughs> and maybe that's why it was easier for him or maybe it wasn't easy at all but I wonder <laughs> he I mean, embraced change it very... takes some balls to do it that way yeah you have to just embrace change and go a different direction I applaud him um, yeah, man. I think that's about it. We covered everything. I think we had our Heath Kerchart fan out moment, which was like something I'm glad we hit. <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> um, yeah. 
thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Uh, oh, yeah, Anthony. Dude. Thanks for asking. No problem. One last thing before you go. If you're listening to this and you're looking at the phone and you see the cover art, just tap on that. There's some show notes right there, some links to some stuff that Kevin's into. And, uh, yeah, thanks for everything. Peace.